really prepared. But I was so chilled out in the morning, as in like I was really excited, but I was really chilled. Sitting there drinking my coffee and eating my breakfast, and I was like, oh my word, I need to be there. So I like turned up practically late because Larry's speech was going on. How can you be late to like, I've been building up for this for seven months, I don't know how you can possibly be late. So anyway, I kind of missed that, but then like, I had all the hype and everybody setting up. And then I'm 15 miles, 15 miles, that's it, 15 miles in, and I have like massive puncture on the back. In any way, shape or form that I could in the present, I, I just realized through all the mindfulness and meditation, I was like, the only actual time that exists is the present. The past is gone, the future might never come. All you've got is now. So every day, just enjoy that day to the point of whatever you're doing at that moment, give it your full attention and really embrace it. Is that if I had thoughts where I didn't want to go down that thought, I, I said myself, because our brains are our brains, they will pop up random thoughts into our head. So if I have a thought that I don't want, I literally like draw a love heart in my head and send it to it and then just think of something else. Just to kind of like be like, okay, that's fine, because we are only human and we are going to have these thoughts, but then let's just let it go. Yeah, living is going out and doing the stuff that you want to do and really enjoy it. And I think that comes back to the being present in the moment, isn't it? It's being able to go and do the things you want to do and enjoy doing them. That's not Rainbow. And this is the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Hi, Steve, and all uh, Bike Pack Canada podcast listeners. It's uh, Guy Stewart calling in from the top of uh, Little Kootenai Pass on the Continental Divide. It's about uh, 6.30 on Monday, August 19th, and uh, just pushed over the pass. Want to uh, say some big thanks to all the folks that put together these uh, fantastic routes like the BC Epic and the AR700 and uh, Lost Elephant, Dumbo and Jumbo, and other ones like the Hurton Albertan and uh, yeah just really uh, really appreciative for all the hard work that goes into that i'm not going to uh, call out people by name because there's just too many names to listen i'm sure i'm going to forget them but you know i will say jonathan and andrew that uh, it's pretty much a toss up between which is tougher the Kootenai pass or some of the pushes on this year's uh, dumbbell route so yeah Thanks for both of them. They're both fantastic so far. Hopefully I can finish in the next few days here. And uh, given that it's uh, August 19th, I'll also call out to my uh, my mom who's having a birthday that starts with a 90. So happy birthday, mom. Stuart, thanks for that voice intro and happy birthday, Guy Stewart's mom. <laughs> I hope you had a great day and you must be very proud of your son to be the badass that he is for racing these uh, epic hardcore bikepacking races. I know uh, he inspires me um, and I'm super happy that you called in a voice intro. And if you want to call in a voice intro, don't hesitate, whip out your phone, record it, and you can email it to bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. And you know what else? Write me a letter. Write me a poem. Um, some of you had commented about my um, my recent 
re-uptaking of the guitar and uh i've been noodling around a little bit and it's kind of fun send me some uh, lyrics i've got this cool jam that i'm really enjoying and uh, i've been kind of working on it for a bit and i'm trying to think of lyrics for it and if someone sends me lyrics maybe just maybe i'll put something together and i'll sing it for you guys <laughs> we'll see putting it out there but uh you know what sometimes we have to embrace our fears and uh tackle these things and it just makes us a better person so uh yeah go ahead and do that i'd love to hear from you so welcome back to the bike pack canada podcast i'm your host steve o'shaughnessy um we are super pumped about the bike pack canada summit coming up uh end of the month september 28th and 29th in canmore at the canmore opera house uh there's an overnighter happening on the night of the 26th right out there on the down to Kananaskis on the 26th return on the 27th for the social and then get to it on saturday we've got an awesome lineup lineup of people coming out um who do we have here uh we have janie hayes coming out uh ben johnson uh to talk about his uh, film admissions of an amateur bike packer we're gonna have a pack rafting demonstration uh presentation with demo uh, so you can try one yourself we've got cricket coming out from the whitefish bike retreat uh, we've got renowned photographer Jeff Bartlett, who's going to show us how to take better photos on our journeys. Uh, we're going to have our regular tech sessions and show and tell. And uh, someone I'm always excited to see is Jeff Ma, uh, yoga instructor. Um, he will break you. So be prepared for that. If you've signed up for the summit, the time we spend with Jeff is so much fun, but uh, it hurts. It hurts so good. And I, I can't wait to uh, get down on the floor and start grinding into some of the soft tissue <laughs> and get those knots out. So uh, really looking forward to seeing Jeff again as well. I'm always trying to find uh, guests to talk to, and I always look forward to your suggestions. So um, I've, I've had a, a number of suggestions come up, and I'm always pursuing them. And I just want you to know that those of you who I've reached out to will chat. I'll get to you. Um, time's tight. Uh, I've got a few conversations that I need to edit still, and I'm, I'm still looking forward to talking to you upcoming uh, in, in the next few weeks. Um, I'm hoping to talk to uh, Hugh Oliver. Uh, we have a BT700 uh, results kind of conversation that I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out. Uh, I've got some chit chat that I did with uh, Ken Dalbertson and Dean Anderson, we uh, they were in Invermere. We went for a bit of a ride and, and had a bit of a very kind of casual chat on my deck. Um, I've had some requests for Brian Canelli, so we're hoping to get him on the podcast as well. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to talk to Matt Bain, PhD candidate, psychologist, sports psychologist, and uh, he deals in the self determination theory that's kind of uh where the majority of his work lies and i'm really looking forward to talking to him and super nervous actually to talk to him um because i'm a bit of a dummy <laughs> no but uh it's going to be super fun and we're going to delve deep into the psychology of sports and uh in, in terms of uh, endurance type uh, sports and i'm really looking forward to talking to him so lots of content to come stay tuned Head on over to your uh, favorite podcast aggregator and uh, make sure you subscribe. That way you'll get notifications when 
these new podcasts hit the internets. And as well, go on over to iTunes and give us a give us a rating. Uh, how are you enjoying the podcast? I really hope you are. Um, and if so, give us a rating. And uh, let's keep this thing going and growing. Um, I've checked out the analytics on our website, and we're growing. Uh, there's a lot of people hitting the website, and I'm really stoked that uh, we've been able to uh, grow the community and I hope the podcast has has really connected everybody and uh, I just hope you're enjoying the content. So today I'm super excited to bring you Nat Rainbow, Lantern Rouge on the 2019 Tour Divide. What a great conversation this was and what an inspirational lady she is. The amount of adversity she faced to even get to the finish line was just mind-blowing and I know that you're going to be inspired by this conversation. So uh, before you get into it, get your bike ready, put your earbuds in, and go for a spin, because this one is uh, awesome, and uh, I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So now I bring you Nat Rainbow. Hello. Hey, Nat. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Oh, that light above my head's gnarly. See if I can get rid of that. You look like an angel. Oh, yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> 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 oh excuse me if i'm a little i feel a little out of it i just kind of my kids woke up and <clears throat> trying to get my there we go trying to get my orientation my kids got up and i looked at the clock and it was like a uh, quarter after seven i'm like holy crap i gotta get ready to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> well I gotta, i've been here raring to go i was kind of like i need to refresh my memory and then i just got really nervously excited so <laughs> you can hear me okay yeah, fine. Awesome. And just another another uh, pro tip: if you want to put your phone on do not disturb, that way uh, we won't get any uh, like email bongs and whatnot. <clears throat> do you have an iPhone or? Did I just cut you off? Oh no, I don't think so. I don't see your camera, but once you go, uh, I thought oh. I cut you off. That and I no. thought you think I cut you off. It's no. all good. <laughs> awesome. So how was your uh, how's how's recovery been? Are we on now? Are we live? Um, well, we're not live. I just uh, I have a recording device. I have like a like a Zoom audio um, recorder right here. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your phone kind of plugs into that, and I'm listening. Uh, I'm monitoring that. It's a pretty amazing device, actually. I've had some really good luck recording uh, uh, audio this way. It sounds really good. <clears throat> and then this is like my radio mic, so I can I sound awesome and deep right <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that and then i just sound like me well it's no you, <laughs> I want <to> have <laughs> this is what i sound like pretty much <laughs> i'm just another muppet just like you <laughs> i love that you use that it's so hilarious <laughs> it's really nice my friends re they they tell me that i'm a lovable muppet so i like that i think i'm just a muppet but they think i'm lovable so we'll go with that one <laughs> and is that like an, the, the official muppet as in the muppets yeah, when, when you use that yeah. word, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we all have some Muppet in us, depending on uh, the situation. So, yeah, what I do usually is I just get together, and it's just I'm, I like the video because it's like we're just sitting at a table talking to one another, and we can look at each other, and and um, yeah, I just I, I really enjoy the video chat, and I just like to have conversations, and obviously, yeah. you're the subject matter. <laughs> and and you came by by popular demand. I think I had um uh two or three women say, "Oh, you should talk to Nat. You really should talk to Nat." And it's like, "Okay, oh, I'm going to talk That's to Nat." That's crazy. Then. That's really crazy. Like, and that makes me really happy 
because I'm more for like spreading positivity and inspiring and stuff. But it's also kind of crazy as well. But yeah, no, I love it. So you're a rock star. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, just me. <laughs> um, so uh, you've had quite the journey to get to this uh, point in your life, it sounds like. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind starting from the beginning. I, I, met, I, I read something in your blog that said you, you started having some autoimmune issues like when you were quite young, like 16 years old? Yeah, that's when I first became a parent of it. So I had my left knee swelled up um, and that was the first sign that something wasn't right. And then I was diagnosed with the rheumatoid arthritis, which is autoimmune. Right. And yeah. then obviously they, they just throw you on, on medications yeah well it's weird my journey was so yeah they do put you on medications and I had like an operation had my knee drained and various stuff um but it never really helped and I can't really remember what I did at the time but I just kind of stopped the route that they were sending me down and I went away and changed my diet and did some other stuff and it went into natural remission um itself and kind of like I spent a good chunk of years not that aware I'd got it almost so it was still kind of there but it wasn't really that apparent but then like so I probably did all right till about I was in my like 26 maybe and then I just massively flared and when I say massively I got it like in both knees it started in my elbows it was at Christmas I remember and I got it in my neck and I remember I was lying on the sofa and I couldn't even lie with a sheet on me because like the sheet was too heavy wow that's, um, that's crazy. So yeah, so when it came back, it came back with a vengeance for sure. But think... like all this, like it was frustrating because whatever I did, like way back when, I can't. I'm not a great person for memory. Um, yeah, so I couldn't remember what I'd done. Um, but like, yes, from this journey, this time, I it kind of like reminded me how you. No, it's it's managed. So like I'll a lot like I manage my arthritis now through lifestyle. I'll always have my arthritis, um, but I manage it as in like yes, it's still there, but I won't really know it's there. I don't have any pain now, or very rarely have pain, um, and I just keep improving. So I've only been doing this for like two and a half ish years um, years now, and I keep improving. So I think this will just continue to get better. Um, while I put the effort into doing this, but I know that if I don't do the lifestyle. So if I come off it for some reason, um, then like my joints will start to flare up and I will start to feel the pain and the fatigue again. So I know it works um, just from that. That's like for me is a good reminder. So if there's a reason like last Christmas, I, I kind of like had a couple of weeks where I wasn't doing what I would normally do as strict and it started to flare up. And then it just reminds me that the effort I put in is worthwhile and it gets you kind of straight back on with it. How did you come about? Um um changing like like did you go and study get books uh, listen to podcasts how, how did you kind of stumble upon this new lifestyle that's basically changed your life uh, i spent honestly so many years researching and researching was going and finding people mainly online or in books who'd had an autoimmune disease not necessarily the same one but similar um, and they'd managed to manage it through lifestyle so i'd read their book read their story and then implement what they did and I couldn't understand why I did so much. I mean, we were talking, I've done some random stuff over the years and for a good period of time. And I couldn't understand why I didn't get the same impact, like the results that they had. So sometimes I would have more energy or maybe I'd feel a slight improvement, but it never had a vast improvement. 
And then I'm a great believer that if you put energy to something, then things come back to you, like positive energy goes out and comes back. So one day I had a friend who contacted me and said, you need to watch this TV program. Well, I don't watch TV because I don't have TV. So I watched it and it was about um, a doctor, Dr. Chatterjee. And I think it's called Doctor in the House. And he does, so what I was looking at was treating through lifestyle. So to do that, you have to look at the whole picture. And so although he was a GP, he came away from doing um, like GP, so general practitioner that is in the UK, like your um, doctor, you go to an NHS. And so although he did that, he didn't think that he had enough time with people to treat them because he had to have like 10 minutes an appointment. So he, he does like what I class as functional medicine. So he's looking at the whole person and everything that's going on. So he was actually um, a private doctor and I actually paid to go and see him. Now this is the interesting bit is because, I mean, I've changed a lot over the years and through my journey, but I knew about him initially and didn't value spending the money to go and see him because I didn't put randomly I didn't put that value on myself which was really unusual because I'd spent a lot of money over the years trying to get better but I got so bad that I was literally starting to think because we'd had to move the bed downstairs and oh, I was no. in constant pain every day um, I was making myself go to work but basically I was going to work and coming home and when I say go to work where I was working they were really um, supportive so if I went in late because I was struggling I would just work a bit later so they kind of almost enabled me to stay in work as long as I did so I got to the point where I was literally thinking I have to leave my job so at that point I was like right I need to go and see his doctor it's worth spending the money on so I went to see him and I had to go on a waiting list and I went to see him and I sat there with him and he didn't really like kind of look at my joints that much but he asked me loads of questions and I went to him knowing what I wanted from him because I kind of, through all my research, I kind of knew what I needed to do, but it just wasn't quite coming together for me. And then I went to see him and he literally wrote down like what I needed to do. So he sent me away. There was some significant stuff that um, he needed to do for me. So I needed antibiotics. So basically he was like, I think you've got unhealthy gut bacteria and you've got a leaky gut. Um, which I agreed with and that's what I believed and um, I'd spoke to my doctors but this isn't the sort of thing they normally treat for but he was kind of like so you need bacteria we need to kill it and then we're going to eat well and we're going to build this back up healthy now you didn't have to do it by antibiotics you could have done this um, just by doing your diet slowly over time it would have improved it but I was so ill this was kind of like we needed to fight the fire as he was saying we need to really calm down the fire so that your body can um, start to recover, like give it the correct fuels and just calm it all down. So I went away with antibiotics and then it was an eating plan called the Whole30. And to do, I wrote down and I think it was kind of like I needed to go away and to do meditation. And it was only like a small amount. He was like, just start meditating each day and then also do something I enjoyed each day. So he basically sent me away with that. But the thing that he sent me away with that made the difference for me was he had belief. So he, like I believed, but he had belief. So when I had my doubts, that was okay because I knew that he believed that I could do this. And he never said to me how much better I'd get. And he didn't say would cure it. He said, you can manage this better. And he said, and you can improve, but we don't know how much you're going to improve. And I think he can't ever say how much you're going to improve because everybody's an individual. And it's so dependent on the person as well. So like, the effort you put in, and this is so much in life, and I believe in so many areas of life, the effort you put into something and the energy you apply to it, then like a lot of the time then comes back to you. Um, so I went away and put a lot of effort into this because this was like 
I didn't feel like, I mean, it sounds really dramatic, but when you're in that much pain and you're that limited, I kind of didn't really feel like I had much of a future, let alone much of a life at that point. I was, I'd kind of become a shadow of the person I was in the sense of constant pain means that your personality changes. Yeah. It's like you can't do the things you love. It's like you can't go and play with your friend's children. It's like you can't like just enjoy a walk with your partner without constantly like each step thinking about the pain so it, it was worth the effort for me so yeah but the biggest thing I mean obviously he kind of just brought everything together so it's like I'd had this massive jigsaw that was a mess in the box and then he was like the final piece and brought it all together if that makes sense to support me with it so yeah it, it, to really it, good. it totally makes sense I mean from um I, I think I'm I'm some somewhat blessed I don't have a lot of issues like that but I do know I've witnessed it when you change your your diet slightly. <clears throat> and when you say lifestyle, I know you're talking about, you know, diet, exercise, uh, meditation, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of pain management. Maybe you're not on drugs anymore, but, but it's, it's all encompassing. No, right? no, no, no drugs. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, kind of, it was, So it was diet. Exercise is massive part of it. Um, meditation, I would say bigger than that. So that's like relaxation um, in a big bubble because there's so many aspects to that. And then your mind. So having a healthy mind was so key to my body becoming healthy. So I know that um, if stuff's going on in your mind, obviously it comes out within stress within your body. Um, So your mind and body need to be in tune. And it was really interesting because part of my journey was, I mean, I've done counseling in the past, but this time for this, part of my journey was going to see a counsellor to just see if there was anything in there and mm. um, what was going on that I could alter. And it was really interesting because she said, and so what, like, she asked me, why do you feel something in your body? And I sat there and I know you, like people can't see it. So I'm kind of like cutting my head off with my hands <laughs> because like, I was like, I don't feel, I was like, I know it's here. And she was basically saying like, literally all my feelings were in my head and I just cut my body off, which was why I was feeling so much pain because I just wasn't in tune with it at all. Um, So I did a lot of work to get back in tune with my body and start listening to my body. I think more people are learning learning from my body. Yeah. I mean, we need to listen and, and we need to be, I think the, the meditation probably adds some, some mindfulness. It allows you yes. to, to yeah. get, get rid of the chatter and start to listen yeah. to what your body's trying to tell you, which maybe in your case is um, you need to be maybe more active. You need to stop eating the foods that you're eating. I think yeah, that definitely. so many doctors are so quick to sit down with you for 10 minutes. And it, it's the same here in Canada. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the clinic where my doctor resides too, it's like they give you a note and they're basically say, write down the things you want to talk about this 15 minute appointment, blah, 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 blah. So when I go in there, I, I don't have a plan, but I try to keep him there as long as I can because I rarely go to the doctor and it's only when uh, something's really, really off that I'll go to the doctor. And they're so quick to throw mm-hmm. uh, drugs at you. Uh, n- not my doctor, I'd say. Uh, Mike Walsh, my doctor's pretty awesome. He likes to talk. He's like, well, he puts it in reality. It's like, well, you know, you're getting on, you're 50. So your blood pressure is going to be, not 50 yet, but a little bit, almost 50. But your blood pressure is a little high, and that's that's kind of normal. He's like, that's normal because you're not a 20 year old guy anymore. And yeah, you know, you're gonna have these aches and pains and whatnot. But all you have, just keep moving, keep exercising, keep eating right. And um, so I love Mike for that. But so many doctors are so quick just to throw uh, either antibiotics. In this case, it was probably a good call, but antibiotics or anti-inflammatories, or and and it affects so many different 
other systems in your body and you go back to the doctor and it's like, oh, this doesn't work now or this is weird. Oh, here, we'll take this and then take this. Like they don't sit down for a minute and like your doctor did and just say, okay, tell me about your life. Tell me what you do. How much sleep mm-hmm. do you get? What are you putting in your mouth? You know, because um, I think that whole gut, the gut. The one. Yeah, sleep's huge. And your gut yeah. and your brain basically talk. And yeah. your your gut is almost, it's almost, if if you give it the crappy foods, your gut wants the, gra- the crappy foods. And it just, it almost mm-hmm. begs for it. And you can feel it in your brain. Like when you mentioned that you had a flare up at Christmas, the first thing in my mind, because you never really mentioned diet and, and uh, your eating lifestyle, that is. Um, and I was like, Christmas totally sounds that that it would cause it to flare up. Because now he's like, ooh, cookies and candy and chocolates. It's just yeah. all, all the crappy foods that are around you at that time of year. I could totally see how it would set you back. Well, it was interesting because for me, I'd actually um, worked over Christmas. So I'd got a pub job, um, which I'd gone back to for the first time in years. I hadn't done pub work and I love it because I love being around people. Um, but being around people in a pub, then you stay afterwards and have a drink. Now, part of my thing is I very, very rarely drink. But then each shift then you'd have like a half or a pint or whatever afterwards. And just that made such a massive difference doing that day in, day out. So, yeah, no, yeah hugely and they do say that your gut is like your second brain and that that's why it interacts so much with your mind so yeah so um so what time do you go to bed at night how how much sleep do you get and and then tell me about your tell me about your routine I still not got back into my normal routine after jet lag I'm trying to train myself and move half an hour each day so um Right, so kind of then my lifestyle then, what I would say first off, and this is what I love, is I don't have to do stuff 100%. So this is one of like, when I was looking for a way to manage this, a lot of these things were like, you've got to do this 100% and there's no leeway. To me, that's just not possible. It's not realistic. Not, not realistic. So I always say, yeah. So I always say to people, I aim for 80-20. If I do better than that, brilliant. If I do a bit less, I can get away with it for a certain time and then I kind of have to up it a bit. Um, so sleep is, that's probably why I'm a little bit more lenient on, but I tend to try to kind of go to bed around 10-ish, be asleep by 11 and then have a good night's sleep. Yeah, yeah, I can't say I'm an angel on my sleep, but <laughs> yes. So yeah, I could definitely improve on that one probably a bit more. Um, exercise, I try to do a lot of exercise because that makes such a difference. And that was like a real big one. So this is when I listened to learn to, um, learn to listen to my own body. So when I was recovering, I'd still, I mean, I still have swelling on my joints now. I had swelling on my joints and I still had a limp. Now, while I still had a limp, a limp, a limp I started jogging and I did like the couch to uh, 5k. I don't know if you have this, geez, like the app, I don't know if you're aware of it. And it gets you running. So I did this app but I did it over a longer duration. So I listened to my body and like people were kind of like, now are you sure you should be doing this? But what I recognized was that if I got out and went jogging and I mean, initially I just started walking and then I'd kind of do a little bit and just build it up. But I felt better afterwards. So very early on, I realized that I needed to push past the pain sometimes and do this exercise because the benefit came afterwards. And then once I recognized that, I really started to push myself where I could. I had to be cautious because obviously you have got to listen to your body and there are times you need to stop. But I mean, I started that. So I started my changing my lifestyle and my eating plan started in January. 
and I probably like five six months in then started the jogging and then by that December I set myself a challenge and it was like one of these online virtual medals for 50 miles in December and in that December I jogged 50 miles which is beyond a miracle do you know what I mean in the like in January you're struggling to walk at all really you and then kind of like yeah in the december it was just i mean yeah it was amazing to like do that well in one year that then kind of launches you forward because you're thinking this is only one year like how far can this go how good can i get so so you kind of feel like you turned it around just just so in from the time you saw the doctor to the time you ran the 50 miles what was that time span like a year is that what you just said yeah, that was yeah, so from the January to the December. That's crazy. That's that's really inspirational. Like a lot of people should should heed that and 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 look at their own lives and know positively that you can you can turn that stuff around, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And this is why actually, because like doing a podcast for me is kind of like it's not something I've done. So new things like I get nervously like excited about. And I encourage myself to do them because like for me, the greater good is bigger than me. So if I sat here and thought, oh, I feel really nervous, I don't want to do that, it'd be really easy not to. But my greater good is that actually I want to get this like, out. I would like more people to know that it's possible. Now, I'm not saying that somebody could follow what I did and get the same result. I think that's what I learned through all of my research over the years is we are each individuals. And so to get the result I've got has to be on an individual level. You have to go away and yes, probably doing a similar eating plan would be beneficial, but there'll be other aspects that you'd need to do differently. Like I, there's certain foods I can't eat, but somebody else could eat. So it's all based on an individual. But I want people to know that actually there are ways to manage things and to improve your life that don't resolve around taking medications, because I'm not sure how many people know that. I don't know how, and also there's a difference between knowing something and seeing it. So part of my motivation for the Tour Divide after I like come to my decision to do it was actually, do you know what? If I go and ride 2,700 miles across America through mountains, there is no way that people cannot think, wow, she's got rheumatoid arthritis. She's doing something right there. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, it, it goes to such a level that you hope then that you can then take that then to inspire people it's not like like last year i walked 500 miles and like a lot of people was like that's a massive achievement well it is but a lot of people do that but this was so specific and so extreme i was like surely people have got to see do you know what i mean i can be like yeah this has been achieved yeah i think we've been um uh, i mean in north america anyway in terms of our our food system um we've been told lies for years about in my opinion, because I, I, I changed my my um, my eating lifestyle a couple of years ago as well. And I've noticed nothing but but improvement, a little bit of weight loss, uh, um, <clears throat> just just um, uh, less less swelling and, and pain and um, just better energy, um, better energy over over the day rather than these crazy yeah. like I just I try not to consume sugar and just that in and, in and of itself is huge right just getting rid of the sugar and uh and i've seen these minor gains and it's just like man if you just keep keep adding some sort of regimen whether it be you know exercise or uh you know mindfulness meditating or or just just taking 10 minutes out of your day just to sit down and close your eyes for 10 minutes and just 
breathe, that, that, can, that can completely change your mental health if you do that every day for a few weeks. And, um, yeah, definitely. And then you get into the momentum because yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, don't jump into something and try and do it like full on straight away. It's almost like the smaller steps you take and then you build on it, the more it just becomes part of your lifestyle. So like a lot of the stuff do, I do now, it's just my lifestyle. I don't think about it right. because you've just naturally integrated it. And it, like that 10 minutes, like you say, start off it. To be honest, my meditation, when I started it, I found it so difficult to like calm down my thoughts. I think I did like three minutes a day to start. And then like I would like up that. But like when you start at three minutes a day and it's really hard, you're like, I'm never going to be able to do a half an hour. Well, now I'll happily sit down for half an hour without even thinking of it to do meditation. So it's like, it's almost like, yes, when we put these things in, we can really resist them. But if you just stick with it, the benefits that you get from it are far beyond what you can anticipate when you start out. And I think that negative self-talk that you're just mentioning, you're, you, there's a part of your brain that's saying, this is impossible. I can't sit for more than three. It, that's that's what we're trying to to shut up, right? Is that negative self-talk. And I think that that's another reason why that a result of that, sorry, uh, that was one of the reasons for your success. Like one of the small reasons for a successful tour divide run is, is to listen to that voice and understand that it's just telling you lies, right? Do you know what? I'd go even further. I'd say that the key to my tour divide, and this is what I knew from the beginning, as soon as I read that like one of the biggest things was coping with it mentally, I was like, I can do this. Right. If it's coping with it mentally, I was like, I've got so many mental tools that I can go like go to it and like reach out for. And like negative talk, don't really do it. I've spent so many years like retraining. I don't know. Like for me, it's a choice. So your thoughts are a choice. Mm. You can choose which way you go with. So you can choose to be negative about something. You can choose to be positive. And I'm a great believer. You're like what you put your energy to, you will cultivate. So I choose positivity. I like positivity. Mm. I like to think, what's the best thing I can take out of this situation? Um, and so I spent years cultivating positivity. So I was like, if this is mental, I can do it. Which is like honestly, physically, obviously, I was not fit enough. Like. My arthritis and going and riding with that was like a massive challenge. But mentally, yes, I was like, I can do it for sure. So you've, you've, you've discovered this new lifestyle. Tell us about actually, so you, you, uh, uh, you get good sleep. And then uh, what's, your, uh, what's your morning routine like? Do you meditate in the morning? Um, meditate. I'm not strict with routines mm. because my life, like... Yeah, I don't like routine in my life. So almost like for me, I'm happy not to do a routine. But I'd say like I meditate regularly. So I'd say I tried to meditate. And this varies because obviously with the Tour Divide, I did very little meditation while I was doing the Tour Divide. Um, but um, when I'm kind of back and settled here, then I'd say five out of seven days, I would try to meditate for a period of time. But I don't mind if that's five minutes or 30 minutes. As long as I sit down to make that effort and put that time to it, then like I see that as a positive. Um, so my days don't have routine. Um, my eating is important. So I've learned for me that gluten-free is really important. Um, not eating oats and then nuts I can't eat. I'm not anaphylactic, um, but they make me ill and they definitely cause my joints a lot of pain. And then coconut as well. A coconut was a really random one because I had no idea about the coconut. Um, and then when I first started this diet, the Whole30, which you meant to do it for 30 days, and it's like almost like a cleanse and you're restricted eating. 
Um, I did it for a lot longer because that was what this doctor suggested. But one of the things that's in its loads is coconut. So for the first, goodness knows, like month or month and a half, I got so much worse because mm. I was eating coconut every day and I didn't realise. So then I literally had to just start taking other things out mm. until I found the coconut was a big one. Um, and then, so then the exercise I do, I'd say I exercise like daily that doesn't mean i'll go and do an hour intensity but it means i get i'm a very active person anyway um but i would get up and do some sort of activity whether that is i go to do yoga or if i get on my bike or if i go on a walk or if i go on a jog um again i've got no strict rule of thumb with this just it's kind of i've got into my own natural flow and routine that i know i know that if like I'm starting to ache a little bit. If I get up and go and do some exercise, then I'll forget about it. So, um, and yeah, so just, and then the mind, like the mind in general, like I work a lot to cultivate a positive mind and a happy mind because that just makes life so much better. Full stop. Forget arthritis or anything, but having a peaceful, calm, positive mind is just, it's a game changer. Yeah. Is, yeah. For sure. And then, so uh, back to the food quickly, plant-based uh, or you eat everything or? Um, I, well, weirdly, naturally, I prefer to be a vegetarian slash vegan. I'm not strict. I don't like boxes. Definitely yeah. don't like to put myself in a box. But um, I like flexibility and definitely the tour divide, I needed it. So mm. the whole listening to your body, normally I've got no interest in eating meat or I eat it very rarely. On the tour divide, my body was craving it. Interesting. So I was like, for the fact it's craving it, I'm going to eat it. Right. So on the tour divide, I would eat more meat and chicken. Um, and then like now, as my body's kind of not needing it, I just won't. Um, I prefer to eat a vegan diet. It does, But like I say, I wouldn't want to put myself in that box because I just... I prefer flexibility to life. I don't really like boxes because I think then we're expected to behave a certain way. Mm. And I think that actually, I always say to people, because some people say, I look, my friends joke about me being a hippie. And I'm like, I'm not a hippie. I'm just not. <laughs> and this is my point. I'm just not. And it just kind of do this stuff. But I'm flexible. And as life changes, so does what I do change a little bit. So, yeah. It's funny how sometimes people who, because uh, I, I actually call myself a bit of a hippie, like the place I work, I, I, I see, <laughs> I see all the waste. And I see like from a from a environmental standpoint, like, I, I work in a building materials, uh, shipper receiver in a building materials store. And I sometimes I pick up a box of nails. I'm like, dude, I know I'm a bit of a hippie. But can you imagine like how many, <laughs> how many, like scoops of earth they have to pull out of the ground to find enough iron to make this box of nails and it weighs 50 pounds and we've got like 30 boxes and like it blows me away right but it's i think it's just about being mindful like you're just you're just mindful just like the yeah. you choose whether there's a it's a moral choice for you about eating meat i'm i'm omnivorous i don't eat a ton of meat i know people who would eat meat every single day but i find i feel i feel good my body feels good when i eat meat um uh, I don't know if I'd eat it every day, even if I could, but yeah, it's, it's, you can't put yourself in a box and I say, you know, cut out sugar, but I still consume some sugar, but it's definitely way, way low on the, my priorities now. And I really think about what I'm putting in my mouth before it goes in there rather than kind of just stuffing your face with food that's available boxes of cereal. And, and like you say, oats, I used to eat tons of oatmeal, but I don't anymore. I just, I stay away from grains and I try to stay away from as much flour as I can and eat whole foods and, 
you just feel better, right? It was interesting. You said about the sugar earlier, and that's what I meant to say. Like, I can't believe how addictive sugar is. So I tried totally. to go to cold turkey off sugar, and it was awful. Oh and then I started reading, and they were comparing this to like coming off drugs. And I was like, I've never been on drugs, so I wouldn't know. But I do know that coming off sugar was the most intense experience. And like, I am not completely sugar free. Oh. I'll probably try it the other day, but it would be I'd have to do it gradually because it was such a shock to the system. It is, and that's that's going back to that gut piece. Because um, I, I can't, I don't know all the, the medical lingo, but when you start eating a lot of sugar, you're attracting lower gut bacteria into your upper digestive tract and it doesn't belong there. And so it, it'll come up because you're basically supplying sugar and the, all that bacteria is like, wow, look at all the sugar up there and it'll go up and then it gives you bad gut, leaky gut. And then yeah. um, that bacteria is supposed to be down deep right? The other bacteria should be, and I think that's the whole result of uh, people getting C. difficile, right? When you take too many antibiotics and you kill all the good gut bacteria, I think that's what happens yeah. when you when you eat a really, really high carbohydrate diet. So then, yeah, those cravings are, um, they're primal for sugar. Like you let a little bit in, like if you've gone keto or sugar-free for say a few weeks and you just have a cookie, it's bananas. It's totally like you just yeah, like drugs. It's like give me more, give me more. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a strange draw, but I've I've read a lot of stuff about um, anti-inflammatory or um, sorry autoimmune disorders and um, sugar and and gluten or just grain, yeah. grain products and it could be as a result of you know the the genetically modified nature of those foods or the uh, the amount of uh, pesticides and uh, hormones that are being being sprayed on our food. I've actually heard the UK has a really, really healthy, clean food system, actually, relative to, uh, North to be America. Honest, I, don't, I don't know, like, I'm not sure on stuff like that. I do know that I try and eat basic foods uh, and whole foods, so like fruits and vegetables. I eat a lot of rice. I find that really suits me. I try to stick as much as possible away from processed. The tour divide was a shock because obviously you just have to eat what you can eat. And I knew yeah. this before I went. I really did know that. And to be honest, like my guts had enough for the whole tour divide weren't happy, which I'm not surprised about. Because um, like a lot of people live off oats and nuts out there. And they were kind of like, how are you coping without nuts? And I was like, I'm just living off M&Ms. And I'm not joking. I've eaten so many thousands of M&Ms. And I shared some with the wildlife as well. There was kind of like a rainbow trail behind me of M&M's. <laughs> yeah. It started off with carrots. You're reaching your like feed bag and you're what? sprinkling M&M's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me and eat me. <laughs> no, I started off with carrots and very quickly realized that they're not going to be enough calories. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we upgraded to M&M's. <laughs> nice. So, so you, you've, you've noticed this massive improvement in your health. So what was the time span between that 50 miler and your decision to, to do this massive uh, bike journey? The uh, so after the 50 miler so the summer after that that's when I decided to change my approach to life I was quite lucky um, as in I had an opportunity to sit back and think what I wanted from life going forward and at that time I changed my approach so I think you could say my approach before was plan for the future and just kind of work plan for the future and that was, yeah, which is kind of what we do over here. And then I decided that actually after, because I was recovering from the arthritis and I was like, you know what, this has been a massive wake up call. So I didn't think I'd had a future. I didn't even seem to really 
have much of a life on the arthritis. So then to be given my life back was to be given a gift, but it was to be given a gift of knowledge. So it was a knowledge of the value of health and of life. And so I was like, right, okay then, if we're gonna do life differently, how would we want to do it? So I wanted to live my dreams in any way, shape or form that I could in the present. I, I just realized through all the mindfulness and meditation, I was like, the only actual time that exists is the present. The past is gone, the future might never come, all you've got is now. So every day, just enjoy that day to the point of whatever you're doing at that moment, give it your full attention and really embrace it. And then also, um, I have faith in the sense of, I suppose I used to plan my future, but then if you plan things out, I think you miss a lot of opportunities. So I was kind of like, right, well, I do believe that things manifest and grow. So I wrote down my dreams on a piece of paper and then I was like, right, what's the first step? So I left my job and went um, to walk the Camino, which is a pilgrimage in Spain. And I went to do that because I wanted to start, one of my dreams was traveling and I wanted to start traveling, but I'd not, I'd only really traveled once solo before and I wanted to do some proper traveling as I class now and just kind of go and do it. So I went to walk the Camino Frances because I knew that'd be a popular route and there'd be lots of people on it, but I'd also be doing it myself. So I went and walked this Camino, so that was in the August, it took me 40 days, it was a fantastic experience in itself, and then I came to the end and I planned on travelling a bit more in Portugal afterwards, so I was in Portugal, and then I am a bit random and random things happen, so <laughs> I wanted, to, <laughs> I'm just warning you before I continue, so I wanted a camper van, I always wanted a camper van, so I don't have a home, I choose to like live in a caravan in between travels now, um, but I wanted a camper van because mentally I wanted the security of having a home without having bricks and mortar because I was kind of like my old think way of thinking was like, no, you need a home, you need a home, you need a home because that's kind of what we do. That's what so society like, right, tells us to do. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like, well, you can have a home, but it's going to be on wheels. So anyway, I was in nice. Portugal and as you do, I saw a camper van advertised in Spain. So I went to Spain and bought a camper van. So <laughs> I'm in Spain with a camper van traveling around waiting to get some paperwork so I can take it back to the UK. And I'm like, I don't know what to do next. And I was kind of like, I felt like I needed a purpose, but I didn't just want to put something in place. I wanted to see what came along. Um, so I was kind of thinking, I was like, right, so what are we going to do? And I was like, well, I need to do something more with my joints. So I'm going to guess a bike is what I thought. And like the last time I tried riding, I couldn't really do it because my left knee wouldn't bend enough. So like, I'm going to get a bike. And I didn't tell anyone. And this is why, and I truly believe this, I was meant to ride the Tour Divide. <laughs> it was just meant to. It found me. I didn't find it. It found me. The day after, a friend messaged me and said, do you cycle? And I was like, what? Like, get on a bike and pedal? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, yeah. And they're like, let me rephrase it. Do you cycle for hours on end? I was like, no. I was like, why are you asking? And they're like, well, I'm going to ride the Tour Divide next year. Do you want to ride it? So I Googled this Tour Divide and I read what it says on Wikipedia, which is it's like 2,745 miles. It's one of the hardest, like, ultra races or something. I was like, hell yes, I want to do this. <laughs> awesome. <Good job." laughs> and I was like, at this point, I didn't even know if I could ride a bike. I was like, yes, I'm doing this. And this was like... November the like the 12th I think it was um and then five days later I'd gone to Madrid to visit a friend before I came home we hired city bikes and rode round Madrid on city bikes to see if I could ride a bike which thankfully I could 
Um, and so that's where it started. That is, and also, so obviously I ended up riding solo because I knew when I said to this person, yes, I'm going to do it. I kind of thought they might be a bit flaky and they might not end up doing it. They were experienced biker, et cetera. Um, so I was kind of, when I first signed up to this thinking, all right, I can ask them loads of questions. I can learn off them. It's fine. Well, they, like within a month, they were not doing the tour divide. So then I was left to do it on my own. But when I said to myself, I'm doing it, literally when this came along the fact it came along the day after i thought of having a bike i was like i am meant to ride the tour divide i believe this very strongly and so i always was like i'm just going to do it on my own if i need to so that's what happened <laughs> that's amazing so um what was the time span between that decision and the start um what would it be so november december january february march April, May, June. seven months oh my gosh that's crazy seven months so, um, obviously you, you seem very analytical in terms of the way you like to research things and, and learn. It's like, uh, as, as you started to research that, that route, um, what were you thinking? <laughs> oh my word. I can't <laughs> tell you how many mini meltdowns I had. Like literally I would be like researching and then I'd be like, Oh my word. I mean, bears were a massive one, obviously, but like even just equipment. So I knew nothing about bikes. I didn't know there was so much to know about bikes. So just like researching the bike itself was like massive. And then there was all the kit and then there was the actual route and the animals and like, and everything. And it was just like, each time I went along, I mean, part of me doing the Tour Divide was I wanted to get braver. Now, getting braver didn't start when I started riding the Tour Divide. It started from the moment I said I was going to ride it. Because literally, I had to do so much stuff just to get me to the Tour Divide. It was just, it was like a massive growth period, that seven months for sure. It was just, okay, this is really scary, so what are we going to do about it? And then deal with that. And then the next thing, right, okay, we need to sort this out, so how are we going to do that? So it's kind of like problem solving for seven months, because I'm very aware that I was doing it in quite an intense time. Um, but I like a challenge, and it was a good challenge. That's amazing. I, I'm actually quite blown away, because I know even... Um, you know, I've, I've been mountain biking for years and years and years and, and touring a little bit the last handful of years, but even the, the little bike packing races I've done, just, I get nervous just, just on a like 500 K or a thousand K little races. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've, I plan to do the tour divide. Um, yeah, that, that's amazing. You're, that's really inspirational because most people would, you see the countdown clocks on social networking. People are like 365 yeah. days to go and you're like under, under seven months. <laughs> and you're basically, I call it, I say OTC, like off the couch for the most part. Like, you know, you ride by, you're active yeah, sure. obviously, but, but it's not like you're going out doing two, three, four, 500K training rides like a lot of people do. So it's just amazing. It just shows how how capable we are as humans like we can pretty much do anything yeah no we can and th that's the big thing is we only limit ourselves we very much only limit ourselves there was a lot of people when i was practicing and training so i did train for the tour divide in my own way um that were like well i couldn't do that because of and i said well i could sit here and say i can't ride the tour divide this year because i've only just started riding and because i've got rheumatoid arthritis well my thing was I'm going to ride the Tour Divide and I can do this. So I'm going to find the way that I can do it. And like the Tour Divide, I mean, I met people that have prepped for years. But the thing is, you can kind of like, I don't think how long you prep for, you can ever be fit enough or prepared enough. 
for two reasons is like however fit you are when you do exercise you're always going to push harder anyway so like even if i'd trained for another year yes i would have rode it quicker but i still probably would have felt as tired because you push at a different level and i can't remember the other bit what was i saying okay oh i'm then prepared enough well you don't know what you're gonna face so even like me having rode it once if i rode it again you'd you have to be prepared when you're there. So meaning whatever comes up, you have to deal with there and then. Yes, you can go with certain kit, but it doesn't mean the kit you've gone with will cover all, all of the weather conditions. You just have to be really flexible is what I found. So I was kind of like, I know like had I had longer to train, then I would have rode it faster. But yeah, I liked how I did it. It was good. Yes. And fun. You, you know. Oh, massively. Like off the scale. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're obviously invested in it, but you weren't like... 110% invested. You you still have a life around the tour divide that you were trying to balance as well. You know, like you weren't like what you said, you, yeah. you, you weren't completely absorbed by it. And you know, that was the only thing that mattered. And because you, you knew, oh, going I, don't, in, I don't know, you kind if you've asked my friends, they would have been like, she was completely, no, <laughs> it was like, I had to have balance. So it's kind of like, you can all obsess about it. But I needed balance. So all through the preparation, I needed balance because it was quite overwhelming at times, yeah. um, the amount I needed to be able to do and pull together. So there would be times when I would switch off. So I would have a week off tour divide stuff where I, like, I would still train, like go out on rides and stuff, but I wouldn't actually look at any kit at all because I'd, like, I just need some headspace from this. And like, um, I was quite lucky. So I had the opportunity. I did some riding around the uk coast for a few weeks before i went out to canada and the idea with that was i knew that i needed like i said to get braver before i went out there and there was like some stuff i needed to be able to do so like just random stuff like i needed to be able to go and ride on my own in an area i didn't know right that wasn't something i've done i needed to be able to ride in the dark i needed to go and sleep in my busy bag I ideally wanted to wild camp before I went out there. So I went off to do this training ride, which was amazing because I learned. I mean, that's actually where I learned I can't eat oats. And it's where I learned that I can't. Um, I had a down sleeping bag that I was massively allergic to. Oh, so wow. had I not done it, I know it's such a nightmare. It's like wake up in the morning, you can barely breathe. What's oh. going on here? <laughs> um, so like I learned so much on that, that then gave me a lot of like the coping mechanisms that I then took to the tour divide. So I found that really helpful. And it was interesting because I couldn't do everything. So like, it strangely, so I'm in the UK, which is my home country. We don't have any wild animals. I couldn't wild camp. So I kept trying to like think, right, let's wild camp tonight. And then I would go to a campsite. And in the whole time that I practiced in the UK, I never wild camped. I have wild camped once before and it was on the Camino when I literally couldn't find a bed and I slept under a hedge in my sleeping bag because I didn't see what other alternative there was. That was one of my favorite nights on the Camino. So what I knew was that when I went out and rode the Tour Divide, I knew that when I had to wild camp, I could and I would. But it was really interesting that before I went there, I almost couldn't pluck up the courage to do it, even though I was way safer doing it over here. There was no bears or mountain lions, but I did manage to do it on the Tour Divide. So that was like, yes, I am getting braver. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the biggest fears people might carry is, is um, where they're going to sleep at night. Because um, you don't really know where you're going to be. You have you can kind of plan yeah. where you're going to be, especially you know if depending on your level. Um, yeah, you might say, "Oh, I'll probably get to Fernie on the first day." And, and did you did you get to Fernie on on the what three days, two days? Uh, 
day. Good. Home is so slow. My first day was a disaster, though. Tell me about your first day. <laughs> well, I, I, it's ridiculous. I've been like in Banff since the Sunday. Okay. So I should have been the most prepared person there. I'd gone there early because of the whole altitude thing. So I should have been really prepared. But I was so chilled out in the morning, as in like I was really excited, but I was really chilled. Sitting there drinking my coffee and eating my breakfast. And I was like, oh my word, I need to be there. So I like turned up practically late because Larry's speech was going on. How can you be late to like, I've been building up for this for seven months. I don't know how you can possibly be late. So anyway, I kind of missed that. But then like, I had all the hype and everybody setting up. And then I'm 15 miles, 15 miles, that's it, 15 miles in, and I have, like, massive puncture on the back. Oh, no. And I'm like, I've got tubular, so I was like, how can this possibly happen to me? So I sit down thinking, I'll just plug it, that's fine, this will be easy. Well, I've got more than one hole in there, I've got one in the side wall, and then a massive one. I know, the side wall I plug, the other one I can't plug. And it's kind of like, I've got a couple of people with me at the time when I first started doing this, and then they got a bit cold, so they headed off. So then I'm going to have to put a tube in. And then it's, the, but I put tubes in a tubed bike, but never in tubeless. So these things, I, like, I know some people are like, oh, you know, like, and I know I, this was said to me when I was riding, you're not prepared mechanically enough to do this. And I understand what they were saying. So I'd done some mechanical preparations and I could do some stuff, but I'm very much, I learned through doing. So even if I've been shown something, until I actively do these things, that's when I learn. So I was kind of like, well, I'm just going to go out there and learn, which I did. But I'd never contemplated that it'd be any different putting a tube in tubeless. It's not massively different, but this is my first day. I've been on adrenaline for a week. Well, practically seven months so I've not really slept this week so I'm quite tired we all set off we're all excited and then I'm like right okay it's fine that just put your tube in then it starts thundering and lightning massive <laughs> downpour so everybody said straight away like layer up because otherwise you're going to get cold so I'm like standing under a tree putting my waterproofs on then I go to put this tube in I put this tube in and I'm rushing because like I'm like bear country so i'm trying to sing as well at this point in time i've got my bear spray next to me so like it was just bonkers and then because i'm rushing i then managed to break the valve on my tube oh no so then i sat there (laughs) honestly i was like i had a moment where i sat there and i was like you're 15 minutes in that you're in bear country it's thunder and lightning and I literally was like, I feel like crying at that point. No, I never thought I'm not going to do this or I don't want to do it. I never thought that. But I just thought, this is really scary and I feel like crying. I like, I kind of sat there and then I said to myself, well, that's okay. It's really understandable, Nat. Now, let's just get on with this and sort it out. So I didn't cry. Yeah, I put the other tube in. And as I was putting the other tube in, two tourists turned up, actually. And then they just sat and made coffee next to me while I was doing my tube just to keep me company um put it in and then went up and was fine obviously had some coffee which was really nice (laughs) Um, and then (laughs) carried on but like it was kind of like on my first day I was like honestly like you just couldn't I've got tubeless I was like no this doesn't happen on the first day so no the first day I did 50-ish miles I can't I went to the first place at 50 or 60 and then the second day I wasn't happy with my back um tire wear at all second day i went up cocoa i loved cocoa that was ridiculous it was absolutely bonkers i went <laughs> up cocoa i got to the top of cocoa at 6 30 and i was kind of like i've still got three hours of riding but at this point i was still really scared so the first three days i was very very scared 
And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to stay here in that cabin because there was a cabin for snowmobiles. Didn't The doors didn't lock, so I wedged them with wood. This was like, I was so scared. And I, But when I say I'm scared, I'm really like, I think it's good that I can be scared but really appreciate what I'm doing. Yeah. So I was on the top of this mountain. I was in this cabin. I did feel scared. But I could sit there and watch the sunset and watch the deers. It was the, one of my most magical nights. It was just like a special night. And then the next day I went on to Fernie. And then the magic happened because that's when my comfort zone shifted. So I came to the Tour Divide to get braver. And I knew that through exposure, at some point I would go from being scared to okay. And that happened for me, like when I woke up on the day four and I headed out, that was it then. That's amazing. And it, it, it proves that, you know, um, you weren't scared oh. stiff. I think fear is really healthy. You know, um, yeah. I, I think it, it helps you focus. Um, it makes, it makes your, um, your work, everything you're doing a bit more acute when you have a little bit of fear in you. Yeah. Um, and there's a reward, like what, a, what an amazing reward. Cause now you've got these memories they're going to last forever. And you were up there yeah. and you were overcoming that fear and just soaking in the journey that you were taking. It's, it's so inspiring. It's awesome. So, um, did you feel fairly comfortable after, after that? Like when, what was your first wild camp point? Like within those first, I don't actually know, you know, on day four, I, I didn't really wild camp, but I camped, it wasn't a campsite, I camped up the border because they were like, you can just go camp over there. Um, I can't remember what my first wild camp was, but the wild camp kind of I grew into. So I was lucky to be able to wild camp with some people when I bumped into people. So that definitely helped with the transition to then doing it on my own. I don't know when the first time was that I did it on my own. I do remember the first time that I realised I was okay with it. Um, and that was a really good feeling when I was wild camping on my own and I kind of acknowledged that I was in the middle of nowhere I can't remember where it was but I was far away from people it was really eerily quiet and I was kind of like yeah you're doing this now and there was an element of an awareness but it wasn't an anxiety or nervousness anymore whereas like the first few times that was definitely in there so it just kind of grew so like day four onwards was definitely when I got into my swing a lot more that wasn't to say there weren't times when I didn't get scared but it was like then that was again when my comfort zone was being pushed more. Does that make sense? It was like I'd had a comfort zone shift and then each time I did something that scared me, obviously you kind of have to sit with that and then your comfort zone grows again. So how did you, um, how did you adapt to the, to the riding conditions? Cause it doesn't sound like you were that experienced of a, of an off-road cyclist. <laughs> no, I really wasn't. <laughs> I really, really want because that's another that's I another a, a part of the fear of the route, right? Especially for people who are a little inexperienced, is you know, Coco claims is that's a sobering hike, right? And and then you got to come down the other side of that. Yeah, I walked down a lot of that as well. Yeah. I I think one of my main things was I was happy to hike a bike, as in like walk with my bike. Um, and then the other thing is, is like I love being in nature. Mm. Like for me, being in nature is the most healing place to be. And it was so beautiful that, like, there were times it was, like, crazy challenging. But I kind of really enjoyed that as well. There were a few times, like, the wall, the wall for me. Oh, my word. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not very long, but it's really, like, I just stood there and I just thought, oh, my gosh, at the bottom. And I was like, I've just got to get to the top of it. There's nobody else around, so I was doing it at my Todd. 
I was not taking my bags off because I was like, no, I can't be bothered to take them off and walk uphill. In hindsight, I probably would. Um, and I was like, you've just kind of got to do it. That, for me, was one of the bits that I would definitely quite happily never, ever do again. And, like, there were moments where I dropped Firefly and thought she was going. There was moments I thought I was going. And, like, literally, there was points where I'd just stand there, clinging on to Firefly, hoping my feet didn't slip because it was really loose underneath. And I was just thinking to myself, like, what am I doing, really? <laughs> and I did have times when I thought that. I never thought I don't want to do this. Like, really, like, I never I never thought I'm not going to finish, that was the truth. There were times I thought I'm not keen on this, and the wall was definitely one of them. And I got to the top, and it was so dramatic, because I put my foot on this stone, and then this rock just slipped all the way down. It was like, oh, to no. make the point. <laughs> it's like, out of a film moment, I was just so relieved to get to the top, for sure. And that's, again, so, that's yeah. that's but the I, reward, right? It's it's like, you, you're yeah. in that thing that actually, that, that adds character to the route, really. And then, yeah. you, you know, you, you, it sucks when you're doing it. But as soon as you get to the top, yeah. you're like, yeah, did it. Like, Although move it forward. Me, yeah, I had that moment, but it probably took me another 20 days before I'd like, I would ever do that again. That, <laughs> the war definitely stuck in my head. That was definitely a kind of like, I really like my life and I love Firefly. Why would I do this to myself? <laughs> I haven't ridden that section. Is it quite exposed on the one side? Um, It's kind of like just really... You just put your foot and then you'd slip sort of thing. It's not like you're going massively far. There's definitely a lot worse drops. But it's just so hard to manoeuvre the bike up and get the gripping because it's loose underfoot. And that's what I was really struggling with. It's kind of like had it been steady underfoot as in like hard mud, at least you'd feel that when your feet were there, you were sturdy. Right. But you didn't have that kind of like security. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So what was another, uh, what was another uh, story from the trail, another turning point for you? in terms of your life growth? Oh, my um, day 13 for life growth, day 13 for sure. Um, so I was going up to, it was the Springs, the Elkhorn Springs, I can't quite remember what they're called. And I was hiking my bike and it had been a long day. I was really tired, been pushing to get to these Springs. And it was really unusual because I just had, I don't even know how it came about, but I would do like little videos of myself that I send to my friends. It's like I started on the Camino, I set up a group and I'll do them a little video and send it to them to share and stuff. But whether that's like nature or, or how I'm feeling. And I'd sent them a little video because it's like I had this realisation. So because I used to suffer from mental health and then because I've had the rheumatoid arthritis and then some life changing stuff go on, I've spent a lifetime doing self-development and to get to the place where I'm at. So I've spent a lifetime pushing myself to become a better person. And I've really enjoyed that. I actually find it quite addictive. Um, I enjoy becoming a better person and the journeys it's taken me on. But it was like I realised that day that actually I'm a good person. And like... Gosh, I see. Look, look, I could even well up now. Um, and it was so massive because that kind of <laughs> But it was like so profound. It was kind of like I've always wanted to be my best version so that I could have a positive impact. And initially that was on the people around me that I wanted that to be, like my family and my friends. But then that grew. That was kind of like, no, I want to actually have more of a positive impact. So I want to inspire people 
that have been through what I've been through with the arthritis or the mental health. And I want to go and spread happiness into the world because there's a lot of people that aren't that happy in the world. And just by interacting with people in a positive way, like you can spread happiness. And just to have that moment where I kind of thought, do you know what, Nat, you're actually good enough and you've done enough and you can just live now and you can be yourself. And through being yourself, you can have a positive impact. It might sound so simple to say that you can just be yourself, but like when you have to spend so long to become that person, it's like you're saying, I've achieved that. Does that make sense? It's it like totally you climbed your mountain. It's like you were saying, it's like a, it's a life mountain. It's like I'd realised that at that point I'd climbed my life mountain and I'd achieved what I'd pushed so long to do. And then actually it's like you can relax now, which obviously I'm still going to do self-development. I'm still going to push myself, hence me doing a podcast. <laughs> um, but it was like, you are a good person. And that, that to me was a game changer to get that feeling. Like, and yeah. Yeah. You kind of made me kind of missed up a little bit, actually. I, I don't think, um, <laughs> I, I, I think that would be one of the, one of the main points to bring up to people who are, um, especially women, because I, this is why I wanted you on because you're so inspiring and we want to inspire more women to try these activities because we're all afraid. Men are afraid too. They might not want to admit it, but men are, men are afraid going into these things as well. There's no question. But um, when you're out there and all the chatters turned off, it's quite meditative. I mean, in, in, in its own way, it's quite meditative. And I find that when you're alone and you're out there for days at a time, um, there's this ego dissolution your ego disappears and it's just you right it's just who you are it's just i almost find that i i feel like personally i'm my best self when i'm in that situation i find yeah can you comment on that yeah no definitely a few things initially like i would actually say like hats off to um the guys on route actually because i would say the one thing that i really noticed with the guys i spoke to is they were actually really open about sharing their feelings and numerous guys said to me about what made them scared or what they were struggling with mentally and i found that really refreshing to have people kind of share with me on that level uh, because you're right we do all and have this thing of and this is what also one of the things that like for me I wanted to share is the point of doing this was I was coming into something that I knew nothing about doing something completely new and arguably taking on quite a massive task in doing the tour divide as my first one but I wanted people to see that it's okay to go and do something and not be the best at it because we've all got to start somewhere and also to reach out and ask people for help mm -hmm. so if people are doing stuff if you reach out and ask them for help in general people like to help people mm -hmm. it, it helps us to feel good i like to help people because it helps me to feel good and then like vice versa i've reached out to an amazing amount of people while i was getting ready and like they've helped me and that's had a really positive impact and they followed me through my whole journey to the end and have said like they really enjoyed that uh, and then what was it that like, i get this is yeah just go for a tangent and then you were saying, what was I meant to be answering? You were asking me something, and I've lost the flow. We, oh, we no. were kind of just, no, no, it's fine. We were just talking about, uh, I, I mentioned how your ego disappears and you, you feel mo most ah, like yes, yourself. Yes, yes. So on the Camino, I felt like that to me was a very healing journey. And then when I came to the Tour Divide, I expected to meet myself on a deeper level. So I thought pushing myself to these extremes meant that I would really get in touch with myself on a deep soul level. 
when I arrived to Banff, um, and yeah, this was quite magical. When I arrived to Banff, I posted a video on the Facebook group, and when I posted it, I was like, "Who?" Like, I literally like questioned myself doing that because it's just like saying what the weather is and stuff. But I'm quite daft and a little <laughs> bit out <laughs> there. <and wet>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> Um, you've turned your camera off. Come back. I'm I back. like to see you. <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, I posted this video and I said to myself, the one thing I'm going to do here now is I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to tone it down. I'm just going to be completely me. And that's what I felt like I rode the tour divide and I was myself. And like you were saying, to be riding for so long on your own, if you're listening, because I mean, obviously, even when you're riding, you can you can be busy, you can put podcasts on, you can put music on, you don't have to sit with yourself. But for me, the majority of it, apart from the odd day, I'd be with myself. And then you can just listen to yourself on a deeper level. And then I think that's why you have these profound changes in how you think, because you've just given yourself that time to listen to yourself. Yeah, I agree yeah. on the on a, a race I did. I've only done... I've, I've tried three. I've only finished two. Um, on my second one, uh, the BC Epic, uh, I was alone most of it. So, you know, as soon as the field kind of stretches out and you kind of find your place and and you just kind of, you're in your own flow. And I'd be riding along and and uh, even with music on, it wouldn't matter. And uh, I'm getting misty thinking about it. But it would, uh, these feelings would well up from, the, from just the core, from your soul. And I just remember it would just be like... I take a deep breath and all these tears would come out and it was just like, Ooh, and it'd be, I don't know the source of it. It's not necessarily, it wasn't sadness. I think maybe it was a lot of, um, because it was so new and I knew I was going to finish this one. It was just this, this sense of accomplishment and pride and, you know, I'm not a contender uh, either. And, but I knew I felt so good about my, my, my travel at that point. And then I was thinking about my family and then, your kids, images of your kids come up and, you know, you're hoping they're proud and it's just, it's this overwhelming and that's that ego. That's that ego not holding you back. And, uh, did you have any moments like that yeah. where you just, you'd cry, but it was just out of joy, really? Yeah. And I think like, I think I had quite a unique, ex I mean, I know everyone has a very personal experience of Rise of Divide, but I think I ended up having quite a unique one because I ended up riding as a Red Lantern. Um, which I didn't even know what it meant. When people started putting on Facebook, like, about the Red Lantern, like, I was like, I have no idea. And it wasn't until Brush Mountain when Kirsten was like, we've got the Red Lantern here. And I was like, yeah, it's me. But what on earth is Red Lantern? <laughs> and she was like, you're last. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, you are. I was like, no, there's definitely people behind me. And there were, but they dropped out. They'd scratched. So at that point, I hadn't realised I was actually last. So then I was like, oh, I'm last. And kind of, like, was processing that in my head. But... Like, I had so much, and this is, like, the most wonderful thing. So, like, the Tour Divide community got behind me so much. And this was the element that I never anticipated when I went out there and rode. So, as people kind of got behind me and followed me, then I would share on the Facebook group, because I was getting a lot of messages via um, Facebook privately, and obviously just haven't got time when I did get Wi-Fi to message to everyone. So I'd put the odd post on Facebook so people knew I say for what was going on. And then also because like if I stopped, I would get so many messages saying, <laughs> "Why aren't you cycling? <laughs> Why have you stopped? Like my tracker stopped working." And I got so many people saying, "Why are you having days off?" I was like, "I'm not." So then I started sharing my story, 
So then because, and I do the blog, so I was sharing some of that on the group as well. And then the momentum just built. And like for me, like there were times when I would sit and I would read the messages that I got from people that were unbelievable. I mean, they were like, it was just beautiful. And then I would sit and I was so grateful that I was able to have a positive impact on people just through doing what I was doing. And it, yeah, it got me emotional. It just melted my heart because it was like my dream come true. When I said to you, I wrote down my dreams on a page like a year or so ago on there, it says that I want to have a positive impact to spread happiness and to inspire people. And people were messaging me daily to say, you are such an inspiration. And like half of my brain. So this is like, you know how we're saying about your brains talk differently. Half of my brain was like, no, that's not right, that. Like, no, you're not. And then the other half was like, well, you can't argue with it because you keep getting messages telling you that you're inspiring people and that, like, you can't ignore that. So it was really interesting because it was almost like I have this thing of, well, who am I to inspire people? It's like, how, how? I don't understand how I can. Whereas the other side of me is very much like, well, of course, we can all inspire people and we can all go out there and have a positive impact on people but it's almost that thing of being able to say to yourself it's okay that I can say I can do that does that make sense it's like I watched I so I I send like my videos um my friends will send me videos a positive video and they sent me one last night and it was such perfect timing and I listened and I can't remember who the guy was and he was speaking and he said you can be the one he said, we can all be the one. It's like we have this fear of saying, I'm good at this or yeah. I can do this. And he was like, but unless you go, you believe in your dream, then you can't achieve it. And it was almost like I've had to learn through the Tour Divide and through the messages I got that my dream is to inspire, that I have believed it, and that through the Tour Divide and just being myself and riding it the best way I could and sharing my story, I have inspired, which was magical. But it was like... There was definitely a part of my brain that was like, no, Nat, you can't do that. Does that mean like, and that's what you were saying about the negative voice. So even though I've done years of training, I still have to work on that negative voice when it does come in on the odd occasion. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's your, your, your own personality struggling with, uh, um, probably a strong word, but vanity, like one side of you is like, oh, I can't accept, I can't accept that people are, are calling me inspirational because I'm. I just, that would be vain in a way, you know, to just stand, yes, I'm inspirational, but it's like, you are, you are inspirational. You overcame so much adversity in such a short period of time. And then you wrote something down on a piece of paper. I'm going to finish the tour divide. And then you go and do it, Nat, like that's inspirational. And you should, you should, (laughs) if everyone could see your face, it's kind of like a cringy, it's like, yeah, but (laughs) no, it's, and I think that's because you finish it <laughs> yeah and, and you don't you don't you're not like from what i'm collected from you you're you're pretty low-key like you're you're not a vain yeah. chest puffer at all you're just you just want to inspire people and you made some yeah. goals you went out and you you attained them and and the, the people have spoken the people are inspired by you and and i think if anyone hasn't read your blog yet they need to go and read your tour divide blog, just that section, if it, all of it, it's, it's awesome. And, um, the challenges you overcame to get to antelope wells, it's amazing. It's, it's awesome. So be, be proud and accept 
be a little vain. You owe, you owe it to yourself to... Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't, no, it just doesn't sit right. But no, on a serious note, like the level of how happy I was with what I achieved, I always knew that Tour Divide was off the scale. I knew that. I knew that whatever I tried to comprehend, it was going to be off the scale. Now I rode the Tour Divide. I can't believe I rode the Tour Divide because <laughs> it was so off the scale. Wow. <laughs> it's like you can't... You just, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't know mountains could be that big. I'm not joking. I've never rode or walked up a mountain like that. To then, like, ride constantly. Well, I didn't ride. I hiked a lot of those mountains. But, yeah, it's it's just brilliant. But it comes down to that thing of, again, that if you believe you can do it, then you're so far down the journey already because of the belief. You Like, some people said to me, like, did you doubt and I thought this was really interesting because I reflected on this when people asked me, like, and my main thing was that because I set the stance of I will finish, so I wanted to finish in 30 days, I'll be honest, I really, really did. When I got out there, being so scared and dealing with the other stuff to become a bit braver, and my joints and everything meant it wasn't going to be 30 days. Um, but I always just said to my friends, no matter what, I'm going to finish. And that is the aim. If I have to have a day off, I'll have one. Else I'm just going to get up and ride every day. So because I set the precedent of that, everything then that came along was just a challenge. So it wasn't an argument in my head of, oh, I don't know about this. Do I really want to be doing this? That I never had that at all. It was kind of like, right, OK, this is going to be difficult. How are we going to deal with it? And it was like, if I was having a really difficult time, I could even accept that. So it's kind of like, there were days, I mean, there was one day when the heat really got to me and I was crying because I was really, really struggling. I hadn't eaten enough in hindsight. And I was like, OK, well, I'm just going to actually accept that this is a bad day. And that's fine. This point at this day, I am not enjoying it. And that's absolutely fine. You can't do an experience and enjoy everything. But that doesn't take away from the experience overall. And also the really challenging bits and um, the bits where you you face your fears or something really difficult and you get past to me, make the best memories. Like some of my best memories, like the Great Basin for me, it's like that's and like Coco claims and stayed in the cabin. They're really ingrained in your head because of what you overcame to have that experience. Tell me about the basin, because I, when I think about doing the Tour Divide and I think about the basin, I think about, um, yeah, that's that's scary. That's that's scary. That's a long way between resupply and the exposure. It's 96 miles. Yeah. yeah, but what I would first have to say is don't go the wrong way in the morning. Oh, no. So I'd arrived at Atlantic City in the dark and then left really early. I got up before breakfast. I, I did get a cabin that night because I'd arrived at like 10 o'clock at night or something. And I got this cabin. I got up really early in the morning. I'd been really organized the night before. I'd sorted out all my water, thank goodness, because my spare water bladder, no word of lie, I had a puncture in. I had to do a puncture repair on my bladder, <sighs> like you do. Um, <laughs> And then I sat up in the morning and I rode five miles really, really hilly up and down. And then I hit this town. And as soon as I hit it, I say town, it's like a ghost town, like yeah. a touristy thing. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I saw this last night. I oh, recognize no. that building. <laughs> and I'd literally just gone five miles back because in the daylight, it looked completely different. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to go back, start again. That was that was more tears. After my five mile wrong detour, there were a couple of tears then because I was quite frustrated with myself because I was kind of like, I felt like I was going to struggle to do the 96 anyway. So I then felt like, oh, my gosh, basically. So anyway, I went back and rode the Great Basin. And I was lucky because it was quite overcast. But when it's hot, it is so crazy hot. Um, but for me, I got halfway. So I, I was 40-something miles in. I'd had a, 
thunderstorm chasing behind. There was a thunderstorm to the right, and they'd been there for a good couple of hours. The cloud cover kept coming and going that was above me, and when it like when it was hot, like I just wasn't keen. I was riding this ridge, and I stood there, and I was like, I was even like saying to myself, "Well, I can see this is stunningly beautiful, but this wind that feels like it's going to blow me off the ridge isn't making me very happy." Tour Dubai don't do like like. I'm in the Great Basin. I want the road that's going to get me out as fast as possible. I'm not even on a road at this point. I'm just riding along stuff where you can't really tell if you're on the right path, following this GPS thing. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I had this moment, and I was like, I felt so alone. I felt like I got this spot tracker, but I couldn't message because it was one of the hired ones. So all I got was my SOS, and I got my water with me. I got plenty of water, but I was like, if I have a mechanical, then you can't use SOS for a mechanical, so I'm going to have to walk out of here. I'm not going to walk out of here in one day. So then I'm going to run out of water. So unless I saw someone, the reality was I was going to do it using an SOS. Like, worst case scenario, my brain's doing now. So I was like, right, okay, yeah, that's the reality now. So lesson learned. I'm a great one for lesson learned. <laughs> lesson learned going forward, I'm going to have a Garmin Mini so I can message people. So if I was in that circumstances and the ultimate worst thing happened, I don't need to press SOS. It seems overly dramatic somehow. And then I was like, right, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to pedal out of here as fast as I possibly can, because what will make me feel better today is going and seeing there were some guys who were riding up ahead, Andy and Dan. And I was like, I know where they're staying tonight because they were heading to Amsterdam. If I can get there, then I can go and say hello to them. And then that day, that would make me feel happy. So I literally just pedaled as hard as I possibly could. I didn't know if I was going to make it. If I hadn't made it, I would have wild camped and I would have dealt with it because that's what you do. But I have to say it was very, very motivating. Andy and Dan could not believe that I arrived 10 minutes behind them because they know what oh, a slow nice. ride is. 10 am. minutes. And awesome. they like, literally sat down in Subway and I arrived and they're like, how did you get here? And I was like, I was really scared. It's really motivating. <laughs> yeah. But then like the day after, like I had a party on Firefly because I was so proud of myself. Wow. I was kind of like, if you can do that now, then you can do so much. I think that's what these journeys teach you too, right? It's to you overcome a bit of fear and you uh or or sorry in in this in this sense you uh you um harnessed the fear right and you yeah, use that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so fear is not necessarily a bad thing it's it's you can harness it to accomplish something or you can use it to uh for clear thinking you know like yeah that's that's amazing that's awesome you know what, like one of the things I want to do going forward is I want to do um, talks to charities. So I'm going to put a talk together uh, like around the rheumatoid arthritis and then around one around mental health. And I'm actually going to call part of that is going to be called basically um, oh, like fear is my playmate. I think yeah. was what I was going to say, because actually for me now I use so fear used to control my life. Um, whereas now I literally feel like I play with fear. So if something brings me fear, it's almost like a challenge for me then to like, well, how can I overcome this fear? Because you can't necessarily think something causes me fear. I'm just going to go face it. Sometimes you need to do it in little steps, like I did with the tour divide and building up to that. Um, but yeah, no, I actually really like fear now. So from me going um, from a person that feared fear and it controlled them, like now I enjoy fear and I enjoy even when I'm in the place of fear, I know that that's a positive. Like I know that you you can come and grow from that. If I don't react to fear, if I accept it and hold it, um, and then like you say, harness it or just move forward through it, 
then each time it's like that well it's the comfort zone isn't it it builds bigger so then you have less fear and that's like that is the biggest reward is when you live like for me is to a life with less fear is a life that's more enjoyable and easier to live so that's the reward of going off and really pushing yourself yeah i agree um what were the kind of top three going going in back to Banff, what were the kind of the top three scary things for you things that that brought you fear what? the most fear what on the ride or yeah so you're sitting what? in Banff, and obviously you got the you know you, oh, the you mean nervous before I'm energy. Gonna ride? yeah just in the, the route yeah. in general like what what brought you the most fear um i knew i'd have to face wild camping i didn't think about it i don't dwell on things so if but i was aware i needed to face my fear of wild camping i was aware i needed to deal with being in bear country um so for me and not just bears like mountain lions and stuff i don't live in a country where you have animals like that so i knew that that was going to be a fear and then what would be my other fear i don't know to be honest i'm not sure those are the two things i was most aware of yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure on the third one. And then, so in terms of overcoming the fear of wildlife, uh, did that just come with uh, exposure and experience to, to yeah, navigate yeah. that? Yeah, it definitely did. Because the first few days, I literally thought that bears stood behind trees ready to jump on me. <laughs> this was like, in my head, this was like, yeah, there's definitely a bear behind that tree. So the more I realized there weren't bears waiting for me, um, the more it just, I started to calm down. And then I just realized that actually do you know what they're just wildlife like any other wildlife and wildlife in general doesn't really want you to be around no. or be near you no. and that actually yeah it's really understandable that wildlife protect their young like my most ferocious wildlife i met was a chicken a wild chicken <laughs> and told sophie on this at brush mountain he laughed at me it's like a chicken are you for real <laughs> but it was a it was a wild chicken with babies and I met them like three different mummy wild chickens with babies and I'm not joking they would fluff up and go to attack me so that's just like a bear on a different like it's all nature isn't it mums protect their young so as long as I respect them and in that case get away from the chicken as quick as possible um then I just realized that it's okay and, and it was okay and I saw bears and it was fine I tell people that a lot as well it's I mean I've I've been mountain biking in the mountains in BC for I don't know, 25 years. And uh, I've never had a, a, a scary, crazy bear encounter. Most of the time they, they get out of there when they see you or hear you, they're gone. Right. And I tell people bears, like what you just said, bears aren't lurking around the woods in the middle of the night, pulling people out of their tents. You know, yeah. they're really not. And obviously you need to manage your food. You know, you, you store your food somewhere else or, you know, there's some common sense things to do. But you know what, you know what, uh, like you said, chickens <laughs> will fight for their young. You know, people see lovely, lovely deer. They'll stomp you if, if you get, you know, a bit too cocky around their young moose, yeah. moose are extremely dangerous. If you get too close to them, they'll stomp you. Um, any, any animal, any, any, uh, species of wildlife that has, has a young is going to be very aggressive. So it's not yeah. just the bears. Yeah, and you still probably saw the signs in Banff, right? You land in Banff, and there's those signs with the big elk and the guy going, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I had some experiences in Banff with elk, and they're friggin' scary, man. They'll trot right up with you with their dead eyes. They just have those eyes, like, uh, and it's it's scary, man. They're huge animals, and uh, so it's not just the bears that are that all all wildlife need to be respected. I think. 
Yeah, and I don't doubt that. I mean, I I spoke to people that had more scary bear encounters. Like there was one guy um, where a bear went up to his bike and pushed his bike, and he was in the tent. But he shouted out loud, and the bear went. Yeah. So, like, I I, I know that there are some naughty bears out there. And I do think that a lot of in life is a little bit of luck, isn't it? It's yeah. you need to take precautions, but then there's an element of luck, and that's with everything. That's not just with bears. That's with people you interact with. That's with like the world in general. Yeah, I think um, pe- people are yeah. the scariest thing in the world. I think. I promise you, I absolutely <laughs> agree. The people can be the most amazing thing in the world and the most scary. It's definitely both. <laughs> Did you obviously you had tons of trail magic? Did you have any weird encounters with people that made you feel unsafe? Um, only one encounter actually, and it was, I was riding, I'm no good at remembering names at all, but I was riding in the dark cause it was, um, one of the pavement stretches and maybe to grants possibly I'd stopped at a garage that I was surprised was open. It was like half nine at night. I think it was. And there was a Torah that was behind me, Ali. Um, and she was going to head off later because she was um, faster than me. And I was at this garage and I'd been chatting to the, like, the people, um, the staff there and stuff. And I was just standing outside. I'm in a nine. If I waited to see if Ali caught, it, caught up or set up. And then this guy came past me in a car and just looked like in a truck. And it just really unnerved me how he, he was towards me. And then he came around and did it again. And I was like, mm, don't actually feel very good about this. So I was a little bit like, right, you've got a choice. You stay here, wait for Ali, but then the petrol station's closing or you ride on. And at that point, I chose to ride on and it did unnerve me. Um, but then, like, and I say this to the people that, because I, I get questioned because I travel so low that I put myself um, at higher risk. And, like, I know that by traveling so low, you do put yourself at higher risk. Most of my interactions are amazing with people. And, like, he unnerved me a bit, but that was because I was probably just feeling a little bit insecure because it was dark. Had it happened in the daytime, it wouldn't have bothered me so much. Do you know what I mean? So I think it was a combination of that and the circumstances. But, like, the positive experiences I've had are off the scale. And, like, for me, I just... I'm aware that you will have these not-so-nice experiences and just listen to your gut instinct and just yeah look after yourself so yeah i want to share can i share my my favorite trail angel please oh my of course you can the more detail the better my favorite (laughs) well i I did misunderstand so tour divide rules i know like it doesn't matter so so much because i wasn't right at the front but i didn't quite understand i thought that you could accept stuff from people because everybody could accept stuff from people but it wasn't until sophia's podcast i think i listened to and then he was like he couldn't accept anything but then that's when I realized that wasn't quite the case. So I did accept stuff. So technically, they're going to have to disqualify me now, but please don't. Um, so I would got to Beaverhead. And so when you do the Beaverhead stretch, you have to carry enough food for two to three days. Thank goodness I carried three days worth of food. I thought I'd ride it in two, but I couldn't. And I got to Beaverhead and my tummy was hungry even though I kept eating because it wanted proper food. And I was going to get some water while I was there. And it was crazy hot. And I sat down and then this guy, in fact, no, he was sitting down because I'd come out of the toilet and I walked over to him and he introduced himself. And then he just gifted me food. So he gifted me a burrito that he'd made at breakfast. He gifted me a packet of cress, an orange and two drinks. And he introduced himself. His name was Anthony. Hi, little person. Let me say hello. I know. Sorry. I know we're on podcast, but I'm saying hello. Can you hear me? 
Can you hear her? Hiya. That's hello. Are you shy? To be shy. That's that's Nat. Nat Rainbow. I'm talking to her. What's your name? Sloan. Oh, that's a pretty name. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you give me a few more minutes? You Do you want Daddy back? Have I kept him too long? <laughs> can you give me a few more minutes? Oh, maybe? I love your doggy. <laughs> Frost. Frost the dog. Oh, that's a good doggy. I had my Inca doggy, but she I lost her on the tour divide. Oh, no. She lost it on her race. That's okay. Yeah. Can I dropped her. She decided she liked Canada more than England and stayed in Canada. Do you like Canada? Do you like where we live? What's your favorite part? <laughs> Everything? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a few more minutes, okay, honey, please? Yeah, where did Max move? Uh, I forgot. He, he moved to Australia. Oh, no. He moved to New Zealand. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah, his dad's I would like to Zealand. <laughs> Can you give me You'll have to get Daddy to take you there to visit. Oh, we'd love to go and travel. Maybe when Mummy starts to work more. Yes. There you go. You're going to be a rock star? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Can you give me a few more minutes, please? Okay. Okay, I love you. Did, did you guys finish your show? <laughs> you want to go pick another one? Yeah. yeah, go pick another one, honey. Just give me a few minutes. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if I was going to get a visit. What's that, lovey? Uh, no, leave that here, hon. Okay. Oh, I know. Just give me a few more minutes, okay? Thanks, honey. I love you. <laughs> oh, she's so cute. <laughs> this is the, she's so cute. the biggest challenge I find with uh, with trying to do, do the podcast is just trying to balance the time and then just trying to fit yeah. these conversations into life. It's... It's tough, man. Like, it's so tough to make it. He's adorable. He's beautiful. Oh, thanks. I've got a boy as well. He's six. He's he, he he's a bit more reasonable. He, like, I've talked to him. And it's like, Daddy's doing his podcast, and I just need a couple hours to... And he's like, okay. And he's good, but Sloan always wants to get involved. <laughs> I, I think she's in training, basically. I think she needs to do her own podcast. That's Maybe. what she wants to do. She comes in here <laughs> sometimes, and I'll fire up my, uh, my audio recording equipment, and she'll... Uh, she'll want to sing. So she just like sings and she knows how to do multiple tracks and she's like four and a half and she's, uh, she's, they're both really oh. quite creative. I really want to try to, I, I find that, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. We'll go back, but I find that for, for me, 2019 was supposed to be, um, uh, I wanted to find something to do that was really fulfilling and, uh, mm -hmm. uh bike pack Canada lost its founder, Ryan Corey, um, a couple years back to cancer um, 35 year old, super healthy, elite, 24 hour athlete done the tour divide. God. And, uh, it's just one of those, one of those things. Right. And then I reached out to Sarah and asked if, if she would like me to take over the podcast and she did. And, and it's just been so fulfilling to me to be able to talk to people like you and, and, uh, other guests I've had. It's just been so, um, it's been awesome. I really feel like I'm kind of giving back you know, to yeah. the backpacking community with what I can. And you had mentioned earlier, it's like, who am I to be an inspiration for people on the yeah. tour divide? And I feel like with my experience, who am I to be doing this podcast and talking to the likes of, of you or, or on the other end of the spectrum, Sofiane or 
you know, I've talked to Janie Hayes and, you know, I'm trying to get Josh Cattle on here and and like, who am I? I'm just like a, I'm just a nobody. I love them all, but Josh is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you know what? When you were just saying that, actually, um, the who you are is somebody that's prepared to do it. And actually, that's massive. Yeah. Like to want to to want to do something positive and to make a difference and take something on is like a big thing. And yeah. like you said, to put that time into it as well. And and for me, like the negative self talk thing, I, I'm still learning that. I'm really really neurotic, and and so stuff like that for me is, uh, I'm very very. I'm a moody guy, and uh, I have a family, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to balance so many things and when i when i get off balance like i haven't ridden my bike for a long time or this or that or the other thing if i'm not balanced it's i just i lose my mind and i have a hard time crawling out of that hole sometimes i I start to spiral and uh yeah i find it really really tough to uh to talk myself out of that so anyway enough about me um, no, no, I think what you just said there, though, and the talking yourself out of it, I think that the more you practice it, then the easier it becomes, so then the less you spiral. And like with the negative talking, one of the tricks I used to use, I've changed it now, but like I used to do negative talk, when I picked up I would do it, I would literally visually flash up like a, no sign, uh, a no-go sign, so we have like a sign in the UK, yeah. and I would flash that up and then instantly make myself think about something positive or to find a positive, like to take off the negative and turn it into a positive. Yeah. What I do now, and I did this throughout the tour divide, is that if I had thoughts where I didn't want to go down that thought, I I send myself because our brains are our brains; they will pop up random thoughts into our head. Totally. So if I have a thought that I don't want, I literally like draw a love heart in my head and send it to it, and then just think of something else, just to kind of like be like, okay, that's fine, because we are only human and we are going to have these thoughts. But then that just let it go. So. Yeah, I, I'm trying to learn. Um, when, when I remember to, I, I I recite the word surrender. Like when you're in that time, when the, in those moments where it's like you you don't really want to be where you are. Like you're in the middle of of just maybe the kids are misbehaving, or you're just in this spot and you just wish you could run away. It's just surrender, just surrender to it. Yeah, and and just try to. Yeah, just I'm really working on that. That that's you're inspiring me because of of all the work that you've done in in trying to turn around the negative self talk. And uh, see, I'm getting emotional again. It's tough, man. Oh, it's tough. Like we get. I'm sending you a hug. I'm sending you a hug. <laughs> you <laughs> but yeah, it's it's um, yeah, life can be really tough for people. And and uh, and so going back, like talking to people like you and. And other men and women who have who have overcome different types of adversity to to um, f- to, to live their dreams is inspiring. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, and life is really tough. And I think like with yourself, just be kind to yourself because I think the fact that you acknowledge this and that you want to make changes that in itself is a massive thing. Yeah. And I think when you're in that place, it just needs to be given time. Yeah. Like, like to put the effort in and see the results. Things don't happen overnight. They do take time to cultivate. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. So, uh, wipe my eyes here and then go back to. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about trail magic. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, he'd gifted me this stuff, and like we were chatting, and then um, about it, and then he said, "Yeah, so at breakfast, I make six extra burritos, so that any cyclists that come in here." 
um, then I've got something for them to eat. And I was like, gosh, I was actually thinking in my head, like, he's spending a lot of money doing this. And I'm like, could I actually give you something for this? Can I give you some money? And he was like, no. He was like, I don't want anything for this. He was like, the reason I do this is because I know what a difference it makes to your day when you come here and then you get to eat some proper food. And I was just like, you're just amazing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that is just so awesome. And he talked a little bit about himself and stuff. And I was just like, so I kind of knew a little bit about what was going on with him. And I was just like, so touched by what he'd done. And so I gave him a, he got an awesome high five. I was like, can you have a high five for being an awesome person? He accepted that. But no, he, yeah. And there were so many bits of trail magic along the way, but that specifically is one thing that stuck in my head for sure. And also because um, another lady had messaged me after I'd, I think I wrote about it in my blog actually. And she messaged and she arrived there wanting to quit when she roved at Beaverhead. This is a couple of years ago. And she saw Anthony, she was eating a Pop-Tart and she jokingly said to him, can I trade your Pop-Tart for half of your burgers and fries? And he said, sit down and you can have half my burger and fries. So he didn't take her Pop-Tart. Right. He shared his dinner with her. I mean, how magical is that? Yeah. That's just like to me, is, yeah. And I, I truly believe that most most people out there are good. There's very few people out there that, that yes. want to hurt yeah. you. There are, obviously. Yeah. We live in a crazy, somewhat dangerous world. And it's it's like there are people out there to, to be afraid of. Um, but like 99.59s of the people that live out there are just want to help, right? Yeah, and I think this is why it's so important to share. Um, because actually, I mean, I don't have TV and I don't listen to news, but I do know that it's very negative. This is why I don't listen to it. Yeah. And they, it, like we... Like, I feel like that we need to share about all this good stuff that goes on in the world. And that's really important because actually a lot of people fear doing stuff because they're like programmed that there's all this bad out there, which yes, there is. But like you said, it's a minute little bit. And so I would not want to have the experiences I have. I know that I put myself at risk. I choose to do that. Risk happens every day. If I stayed at home, I could trip over and bang my head. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just... Um, but it's so important to share that actually there's so many wonderful experiences to be had out there. And that's why I write the blog and share with other people. Um, because then I get people contact me and they're like, do you know what? I'm going to go out in the world and have a go at doing this because I want to do it and I'm not dared to do it, but I'm going to go do it now. And that to me is amazing because yeah. it's, it's the doing and it's the experiences and it's the interacting and making the real connections that make such a difference in our lives. Yeah, and we're not here for very long, and that's cliche. You hear that all the time. It's like one life to live, you know, make a count. And um, we're not here for very long, and we sit at home, and we live in fear of <clears throat> maybe just going for a ride in the woods. And I feel that. I feel that sometimes, too. So, sometimes that fear is just kind of a bit more prevalent from day to day. Some days it's like, why, yeah. why am I afraid of that now? Like I might hear, again, neg negativity in the news People will say, um, it'll be on Facebook, oh, cougars were sighted uh, just on the on the um, kind of west end of town where everyone rides their bikes. And uh, I'll get on my bike and I'll go in there. I'll just go and ride in there. And people are like, well, watch out for the cougars. There's cougars in there. I go, no, I know there's cougars in there, but they're not going to run me down. The cougars don't really do that. And if they do, that's that whole luck thing, right? But yeah, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I know there's bears everywhere. There's been bears in our next door neighbor's backyard eating the plum tree, right? There's bears are everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, if you, if you let these little seeds of fear stop you from, from like 
living your life or having a ride that day or going for a run or going for a walk, um, then you're not living, <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. yeah. And that's the key thing is that there's yeah. a very different, yeah. Living is going out and doing the stuff that you want to do and really enjoy it. And I think that comes back to the being present in the moment, isn't it? It's being able to go and do the things you want to do and enjoy doing them. Because I think fear can stop a lot of people. Yeah. I, I wanted to share something, actually. Oh, no, I yes, can't share. Yes, keep sharing. Oh, no, I was just going to say on the whole positivity thing, like, because that is, like, for me, that was my whole tour divide. So, like, even today when I've come to sit with you, so I've got my positive little note. So I've got, like, a, a you can do it. Don't forget to smile and enjoy. <laughs> spread a little happiness. Smile and spread it on. But, like, this is, like, like, when I say to people about the positive mentality, like, I work to have positive mentality and create what I've got. Does that make sense? And I work to maintain it. So I knew coming to talk to you for me was a bit nerve wracking. Uh, didn't know like I'm, I'm quite confident normally when I get talking, like people will tell me I can talk quite a lot. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I put these things in place to just give me those visual cues to like encourage myself because I think that's it. We need to be our own best encouragers and like our own little cheerleaders. Like it's great to have your friends around you and I've got a massive group of friends who are awesome and they will cheer me along. But the one thing actually on the tour divide that I learned that when you've got no signal, your friends aren't there to cheer you along. You can't message them to say, I'm not feeling very good and they pick you up. You have to pick yourself up. Yeah. So like the negative self-talk, what I actually found that throughout the tour divide, there was this stronger voice that came through and she was my reassuring voice. She was my voice of, come on Nat, we've got this. And she was the voice when maybe like I was struggling that I should be like, no, we can do this. We're just going to keep going. And that voice got stronger throughout. And that's really good because that voice is replacing like the negative voice that could be there. Yeah. So, yeah. You ever talk to yourself out loud? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly, actually, there's four times when I proper had a wobble. So like a mini wobble is what I call it. And when I have a mini wobble, I would slam my brakes on. So I'd stop dead, like almost jump out my seat and be like, I, it would be when I was really frustrated for some reason, normally because I'm absolutely shattered and I was thinking I can't possibly ride any further. So I'd have a little wobble talking out loud and let it out because I think you need to let this stuff out sometimes. And then I'd be like, right, okay, that's fine. Now let's get back on the bike and let's continue and go forward. Yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah, funny. there are the odd time I talk to myself. <laughs> yeah, when you say wobble, do you mean like an almost fall? Is that what you mean? Oh, no, 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 like wobble, like a mind wobble. Oh, wobble. So when I'm having like, a little bit of a, like a grumps in my head. Oh, okay, so then okay, I'll got it. like stop the bike, be like, let it out, and then be like, right, okay, let's get back on. The other thing is I sing a lot. Yeah. So day one to three, basically, it kind of got annoying in the end. I'm not going to fib, even to me. I was singing like, I'm H-A-P-P-Y, I'm H-A-P-P-Y, <laughs> and I was singing this constantly. And the reason was, was I was actually really scared. So rather than thinking about being the scared, yeah. I was like saying, no, come on, we are happy, which I was happy. I was just scared happy. Um, so I was singing myself, like I think singing and dancing, the other one's dancing. I've learned how to dance on a bike, which I was really pleased about. <laughs> singing and dancing is like really good because it really like picks your body up if you're not in a good place and kind of like, yeah. It's funny yeah. how that energy ebbs and flows throughout a long day. Like you're on the bike for yeah. whatever, 20 hours or even more. And, uh, you know, for, for, for every low point, there's always this high point. And that's what I keep telling myself. 
like on, yeah. on a hike a bike or something or a bushwhack and just like, oh, this is horrible. But you know what? When I bust out of the woods and get back on the double track, it's going to be so great. It's going to be feel so good. So just focus, push through. And then there's always a high. There's always something that's going to come yeah. after it. Yeah. And everything's temporary as well. So if you're doing yeah. something that's really difficult or if your mind's in a really like not good frame of mood, it's only temporary. So you just have to, if you can't, if you can't almost pick yourself out of it, or if you're hiking up a hill, at some point it comes to an end. And even if you don't get high, you've still done it and you've achieved it. So, yeah. 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 What would you say? Do you have any, um, anything to say to, to other women out there who are doubting themselves or are afraid to try? N not necessarily the tour divide, just anything. What do you say to those women? I'd say it generic though. I just wouldn't direct it women because i've had guys that have messaged me since i've been riding and they're like do you know what we are gonna um like like i've had a couple of people message independently and ask me for advice which i thought was wow people are asking me advice about to divide like blindly sort of thing i was like that's kind of ironic because i just don't feel i know anything but i i realize i've learned a lot through doing it oh, yeah. but yeah no to anybody um that was going to do the tour divide. I think the tour divide is really personal, but the main thing I suppose I learned as a new person coming into it is that going into something new, it will be quite intimidating how much knowledge other people have. Mm. So I reached out to the Facebook group and people directly, and they had a lot of knowledge and a lot of opinions. So it could be a little bit overwhelming because you've got, you're asking a question, say, about tyres. There's so many tyres out there and so many opinions on what you should have that as a new person to it, it is really, really overwhelming. So my thing was that, like, now I can reflect and see that, that how I dealt with it at the time was I did loads of research, came away from the Facebook group at the time because I just made my decision about what I wanted on my bike um, and then created it and then I went back to the Facebook group. But it's almost like... I had spoke to other people that had also been intimidated by the knowledge and, and of, that people have, but that knowledge is really good. That is a gift as well because people are prepared to share, but it's just not letting it put you off. So not thinking, gosh, I know nothing, just thinking, well, it's like reassuring yourself almost like, well, I'm learning. And so like, I can take this on board and it's, yes, there's a lot to take on. But then you get to the point where, well, now I understand about tyres. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I know where I could make like better choices with tyres. But had I have gone to that first bit, researched my bike with people online and stayed with that bit of, wow, this is intimidating, I could easily come away and be like, I can't do that. I don't know enough. I can't go into that. So it's kind of almost just acceptance, acceptance that sometimes, I don't think I'm explaining it very well. Do you see kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I've got myself like just acceptance and just when you're stepping into something new, it, at times it's going to be really scary, but that's really normal. And like we said, yeah, it's totally normal. And then to, kind of what we were saying before, you have to ask for help. You just have to yeah. ask for help. Yeah, I, for sure. You no, know, I was fortunate to have a really vast mountain biking background. So the mountain biking side of things, I was like, yeah, okay, biking's whatever. It is what it is. But but in terms of like getting like asking people about their kit, like their sleep system or their cook system yeah. or their their the way they their luggage, like some people prefer say panniers or some people prefer you know a regular bike packing setup and and the tires width. There's like man, there's there's 
different sizes, there's different widths, there's different tread patterns, there's, you know, it goes on and on and on. And uh, the best way to approach that, I think, is just ask for help, gather data, and then look at what you can afford, um, what's available to you, um, and stuff like that. But just ask for help, man. I would, and just I, make a decision. Yeah, and some eventually you just have to pull the trigger and just say, okay, this is what I'm yeah, going to ride. Yeah, you just have to say, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah, because, and then learn. Be prepared to learn. Yeah, and, and then no, going in knowing that you are going to learn. And you're, 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 you finish the tour divide, and you're probably already thinking, okay, if I do it again, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Don't, do, don't look at me like that. You're going to do it again, right? I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> you gave me this little. You gave me this little eyebrow. I'm like for 33 days. I was adamant. I was never, ever, ever going to ride the Tour Divide again. Not that it's not amazing, because it's the most amazing experience, and I'm so grateful for it. But it is so hardcore. And the fact that I got to the end with, like, and I finished it, and I like, I didn't get hurt or whatever. I was like, why would I ever, ever do this again? And then I came down from altitude after three days. It took me three days. It should have took me two, but I really struggled with the altitude. And it's something like on the 34th day, and like my head started thinking, if you came again, you could do this, and you could do that, and you could do that, and then you could do it in 30 days. And I was like, why? Why would you think this now? Why would you do it to yourself? <laughs> So no, I'm not saying that I'd ever ride it again. No, I'm not saying that. No, I'm don't not say that. No, I, but but the point is, like, you go into it and just like you said, you you think like, oh, next time I'll I'll ride a 27 plus, or I'll ride a 29 plus, or I'll jack up yeah. my front end for so I'm not on my hands so much, or I'll do this tire, or get rid of this piece of gear because I never used it, or you know, you you can whittle down your kit, you can make your kit lighter, which will make you faster. I mean, you know, you. Not I've that, not started that... already. What's I'm that? doing it already. Right. I've already started. So Firefly's going from two by eleven gears down to one by level. She one by eleven. She's going to have an oval ring on the front. This is one of the guys um, who rode the Tour Divide that I'd met beforehand, and he contacted me after reading that I'd had troubles with the bike shops and my brakes and stuff. And he was like, "Bring your bike, right? Bring Firefly around, and we'll look at it." So um, I took it around last weekend, and we're we're changing her. So she's going to be upgraded in the sense that she's going to have different parts on her. Yeah. I'm going to change the whole way I pack on yeah. her. So like, because I love bike packing, that's what I've learned. So I went into something arguably kind of crazy because I didn't even know I liked riding bikes before I decided I was doing it. So I was really lucky that I really love riding bikes. I love bike packing and I love travel by bike packing. So for me, I want to do this going forward. I like, and I don't just mean go and ride rides. I want to travel in countries on Firefly because it's just such an enjoyable experience and such a nice way to travel. So yes, I'm completely, I've learned so much from this experience and I'm upgrading it. And that's the thing though, is I've met so many wonderful people. I've met so many connections and I've made so many friends. Yeah. And without trying, like going out and trying something new, I wouldn't know all these people. And they're absolutely amazing. It's a pretty amazing community. I think that, you know, what I was speaking about earlier and about trying to give back and in Canada, our community is fairly, it's fairly small. It's fairly tight. And, uh, and everyone just wants to help each other. And everyone's always trying to get together for group rides or it's, it's, um, and even though it's, it's mostly been an online community for me, I mean, in Vermeer where I live in BC is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, uh, it, it just connects people, you know, thank goodness for, for online connectivity because we have all these virtual friends like you and I are now, yeah. you know, virtual friends and you know, you're, 
yeah. you're thousands of miles away, yet we can connect in this way. And I say this all the time, what a crazy world we live in where you and I can talk face to face and record this and share it with everyone in the community, yeah. including the, the Tour Divide community. And yeah, everyone's just stoked about it. And everyone just wants, everyone wants everyone else to just have the best experience possible. And that's why we all want to help each other. Yeah, you're right. And then, um, so on the point of helping each other and community and connections is there's a lot of negativity around the social media, but I mm, think that mm. it's such a positive thing as well. And an example of this was yesterday, um, somebody friended me and sent me a message on Facebook and um, it's a guy, John, and he's going to ride the Tour Divide next year. Now he's doing it to fundraise. So he wants to um, raise 27 thousand two thousand I, I don't know it's links to how many miles it is he wants to do 10 pound a mile that's what he wants to do um and he contacted me and basically was saying that he's doing these fundraising events um and that would i go and speak as at this event awesome. and so he was like why well, you don't think i don't think he realized that like what he was doing was helping me live out my dream because I messaged him and I was like, I will definitely come speak at your event. I would like, he wanted me to talk about um, the tour divide. He's a physio. So um, he said that obviously my story of what I've overcome to be able to go and ride the tour divide was obviously very inspiring. So like now I get to go and do that, which is amazing. I like, would love to do that. I think it's like such a wonderful opportunity and I'll meet loads of more interesting people. But that came about through social media and through that virtual contact. Um, that he'd come across my blog somehow, read my blog, and then was like, will you come do this? And like that to me is, it does connect us on a whole different level that that, wouldn't, that opportunity wouldn't necessarily be there for either of us if we couldn't connect like that. Yeah, that's, is that part of your, how's your uh, public speaking? Uh, how is your comfort um, with public really, speaking? <laughs> you know what, it's really funny because I got asked to talk a tractor club about my Camino experience early in the year and they asked me to do it and I was like no no I'm definitely not doing that I went away and I was like Nat this is a growth opportunity yeah. this is something that you can go that you can spread positivity um you need to go do this because in future this is what you want to do and it's actually an opportunity that you've been gifted um so I went and I did it and do you know what I was really really off the scale nervous but I always think nervous and excitement they're very much similar. So rather than focus on nervous, I think I'm excited. Yeah. So I went to it very excited um, and it went really well. I really enjoyed it awesome. and they really enjoyed it. And so, yes, I'm confident that I can pull this one out the back. I was more confident when he asked me to do that than I was when you asked me to do a podcast because this is the first time I've done it. So I was a little bit like, oh, and I'm well aware that I've talked way too much. No, you don't. Everybody tells me to talk, but yeah. yes. <laughs> no, you don't. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that, that's, again, something that I've been trying to work on, too, is just to listen more. So it's fantastic that you're talking a lot because I get to sit back <laughs> <laughs> and you get to, and you get to tell. I you up because I'm just so rude and talk so much. <laughs> no, it's not rude at all you, because you have so much to share, Nat. So you're... I get really excitable. That's what it is. I get, like, I'm really passionate about spreading, like, happiness, yeah. positivity, and inspiring people. So then I get, like, well, I just genuinely like doing stuff as well. So, yeah. And I think the thing is, too, why I warned you I was a Muppet. This is what I warned you about. <laughs> There's been no Muppet incidences during this. Uh, almost, we're almost at uh, two hours of chat. It's fantastic. That's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, nobody's going to listen to this. Yes, they will. <laughs> Believe me. They're, they're, there's, you're, you're highly demanded. I think people, wanna, <laughs> people want to hear your story. They want to hear your voice. 
And um, it's it's uh, it's been a well, I don't want to end it. We don't have to end it now, but it's been an honor to talk to you. I'm so glad we we're connected. Oh, yeah. honestly, like I was really touched when you contacted me. Um, but my great thing, my thing is that if I do something. Like, I'm prepared to push myself out of my comfort zone because I'm a great believer that I only need to impact one person positively for it to be worthwhile. So if one person says to you, like, that was really good, like, as in they took something from it, then that's, that's it. It's all worthwhile then. It's all worth risking being a Muppet for. <laughs> well, like I said near the beginning, there, there, was, um, there was a handful of people that, that requested that they wanted to hear your story. And uh, after the, the podcast with Janie, um, I, I received a, an email, some feedback, and I think the gist of it was basically that uh, this woman was having a hard time or more, more of a hard time identifying with Janie, who's a bit more of an elite athlete. Oh, sure. Yeah. Than, yeah. And kind of like yeah. the, the regular, you know, woman who's just getting into the sport, who's, who just wants to, to try it and inspire it. Yeah. And then, so, you know, Janie recommended you, I think she even said it on the podcast. Oh, you should talk to Nat. And then, uh, yeah, cause we're complete. Um, opposite extremes, aren't they? So Janie's like really up here with what she's done and what she like, and I'm literally the person who's just stepping in. So it's mm. complete, yeah. I would argue that on, on on a spectrum, athletically, there's a difference. Uh, yeah. Insp yeah. Inspirationally, not there's no difference. You you are right okay. up there uh, in in terms of being an inspiration for other men and women. Um, with, I love with that what you've, you've done well what's that <laughs> i say i love that you're saying men and women now well i mean <laughs> just women you know it's it's kind of the last few you know I, my first podcast i did after taking or i did it with um with katrina rosen and she's super inspirational and, and as you know as all the people i've talked to um and it's just such a dude sport like janie says there's just so many dudes right it's, it's all guys that are doing it and there's very little uh the 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 proportion of women who are tackling these these endurance races or it, it, the bike packing specifically um there just aren't a lot of them so it's 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 not it's difficult but yeah. i really i want to have more women's voices on the bike pack canada podcast i want to try to even it out a little bit and because everyone has yeah. a say and men's lens um on the sport is different than a, than a woman's lens and i, I want to yeah. get, I I get it all no, I was genuinely surprised because I'd never been in the world of cycling at all. It wasn't that I like any of it. So when I started riding in the UK, I was really surprised how it was so different, like the proportions to men to females. Like it, yeah, I genuinely just didn't know that. And like signing up for the Tour Divide as well, I had no idea. Like I suppose if you'd have asked me, I'd said, oh, it'd be about fifty-fifty. But obviously, it definitely kind of wasn't that. So yeah, no, I, I actually that's something I've been very aware of that there is that difference so yeah yeah like josh caddo mentioned it on <clears throat> on the forum the other day he had a a piece about about women in the sport and i think women are really good at it you know what i mean i i think that that um biologically i think they're they're good at it i think mentally i think they're really good at it i think men men tend to be overcome by uh by maybe ego a bit more and will tend to push too hard or I don't know maybe I'm talking myself into a hole here I guess the point is we're all capable I can't of doing comment. It. I'm not a male so I don't know I can't comment <laughs> no exactly well Janie said something on that podcast where you know she'd she'd ride by she'd ride by a guy and and the, the guy would say oh I've just been chicked and I was just like what like guys say that 
And and my 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 first thought about that was, well, guys are kind of weird. We're not the best communicators at the best of times. And I think his sentiment was probably like, wow, you're pretty awesome. And you know, I'm being passed. Yeah, no, and- I would say that. That to me, like, like almost like a compliment. I can understand yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's a compliment. I would just be like compliment if somebody ever if i ever 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 manage to overtake somebody because i can't overtake anybody <laughs> then i'll be really happy if they say i've just been rainbowed <laughs> <laughs> rainbowed nice we got a hashtag i want to be pacific i've just been rainbowed <laughs> hashtag just been rainbowed we got to start my, that no, one that's my aim in life now <laughs> it's going on my dream page <laughs> oh that's so hilarious but, you know, and, and I enter these conversations with women with a bit of trepidation because I know there's such a strong, um, I'm just afraid I'm going to put my foot in my mouth and say something stupid. I think maybe when I, when I spoke to Janie, I may have misrepresented myself a little bit in, in, in what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate just to people in general. Yeah, but I, but I, I would, yeah, but I would say on that, it, I think it's quite difficult. And I think for me coming on here and talking as a first time, I was very aware of what you say and how it comes across. And I think that we learn, don't we? So, um, like, yeah, I could, yeah, I get why it's hard to sometimes communicate in the way you want to come across. Cause that's something I'm very aware of. And like why I said to you, like I'm concerned I'll come across as a Muppet with how I communicate. Um, so I do think it's quite tricky. And then also it is a tricky subject as in for me, like, I don't like to um, focus on the negative. I would just rather, like, for me, I would always kind of focus on the positive. So I'd be like, well, then take me as an example. Look how amazing this is that I've walked into a world that, yes, there's a lot more blokes in this world than there are females. But then I feel like I've been completely embraced and held and supported and encouraged by them. Like, everybody. And that's what I hope for. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's... that's Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, just that actually, like, that that the positive of that is that somebody can come just into this. And, like, I'm sure it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. The point is that community is welcoming of people to come into it and enjoy this. Yeah. And that's what I really found. Yeah. And also, like, for me, like, the welcoming of people that, for want of a better word, I'm a bit of, a, like, the underdog because I've got the arthritis. Well, nobody kind of mocked me and was like, what are you doing here doing this do you know what I mean like people were like hats off to you coming and doing this so yeah I think it's such a I think personally it's like a really positive community and like yeah it's made my journey special on a whole nother level I think from hearing the stories about people on the tour divide and and some of your stories because you were out you were out there obviously a lot longer than than a lot of people I know. <laughs> and, and you had all the experiences you had like throughout the entire route and all the people you met and all the trail magic you experienced. Uh, to me, uh, that's kind of the big driver. I want to go and experience that. Like, yeah. I'm not going to finish it in 13, 14 days. Like, I want to be out there kind of for a long time because it sounds like it's a super, it's a challenging, but it sounds like it's super fun, <laughs> you know, to yeah. have all these interactions with these people and, and to, to, uh, to just absorb all that positivity. And then when you, when you come back from that, you can spread that around, you know, to other yeah. people and share your journey like we're doing here. And, and, uh, that's why it's so, I think these, I think podcasting is such an important medium for people to, to, uh, 
to start like, like I agree with you. Get off the TV. Stop watching TV um, because all the media wants are clicks and views. And that's why they put all this, this negative stuff on there and get into listening to these podcasts and listening to these amazing people like yourself, you know, who are living life and getting out there and, and having these journeys and, and just being a positive influence on the planet. Well, you can listen to podcasts while you're doing stuff. My thing with TV is that it just stops you doing lots of other wonderful stuff. Yeah. Whereas a podcast, you can be riding, walking, doing whatever, yeah. still doing stuff, but still like, yeah. And you get to pick what you want to listen to, like what you enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah. so what do you, what do you carry? What do you uh, listen to when you're out there? <laughs> um, I don't really listen though, actually, truthfully, if I'm being honestly, truthfully, I listen to stuff that people send me. So there's not anything I specifically pick, but because people know kind of what I'm into, my friends and stuff with the positivity, people will send me links through and be like, oh, you should listen to this podcast or, oh, this will be good. So I watched, when I was actually training for Tall Divine, and I can't remember not watch, listen to a guy and he just, I can't remember his name, but he'd gone off and done like this crazy expedition in a really cold place with lots of snow and like listening to him and he talked about flow state so that's like a meditative state while you're doing an activity and my friend sent it me because she was like you need this on the tour divide and that was really educational so i kind of like listen to what people recommend and then i get the best of everything i think was that i like to think was that colin o'brady going across, across antarctica i think it possibly was you know yeah it sounds like with it. his with his sleigh yeah yes gnarly yes. huh oh my word <laughs> i was like but then that to me that proves that's again your limits are only yourself yeah because like what he did i mean that's like off the scale incomprehensible but he decided he could do it and yeah. he went and did it yeah and that's like that i was like that's so inspiring yeah that 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 was a uh, he was on joe rogan i think he was on um rich roll the rich roll podcast which i'm a huge fan of if you haven't listened to any rich roll listen to some of his stuff because yeah it's he, he's all about inspiration and and uh He's ah. like a, he has an ultra endurance background. He he was uh, like a lawyer slash alcoholic, and he had to turn his life around. And and with help, with a lot of help, he did it. And uh, you know, became vegan. He's he's a huge proponent for veganism. And um, I'm actually aware of him. I yeah. have actually listened to some of his because now you've just said that. Yes, yeah, yeah I did. So he had Colin O'Brady on, and yeah, he's, when I listen to him, it's like you know, he's just a guy. He's he's an athletic guy, and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna walk across Antarctica and. And he put a lot of energy and thought and, and, uh, and he went and did it. I think he beat another guy too, right? There was another guy out there doing it at the same time yeah. from the UK, if I'm not mistaken. The interesting thing was that on day one, um, he got there and he needed to get to a certain point and he didn't get there. He only got a tiny distance, didn't he? Yes. And then each day he wasn't going far enough, but then when he hit his flow state, yeah. that's then when he like completely overtook that other guy and then walked for some like crazy amount of time to get to the end like as fast as he did yeah he so, wasn't yeah. even he wasn't even at his start point yet and apparently he called his i think it was his wife or girlfriend at the time who's yes. man managing yeah. all the logistics and and he was like i can't do this i can't pull this 375 pound sled of food and fuel across antarctica and she was like <laughs> okay you need to do this you need to move at this speed and you need to go now because if you don't go now you're not going to get to the start point blah yeah, blah and he was like, okay okay that 
Yeah, but she just said to him, get to that first bit. And then obviously, like, which wasn't anywhere near what he needed to do, but that got him moving, wasn't it? And that that in itself is such a thing, isn't it? That actually just start. Whatever you need to do, just start, because it gets easier as you're going along. It's like the first bit's the hardest bit, and then the more you do it, it just becomes more easy. That's right. And break it down. Like, some days on the Tour Divide, like, I would, so I had my mileage so I could see it. I know not everybody likes to see it, but I like to see it. So every five miles, I high-fived my little um, Garmin GPS thing (laughs) as like a mini achievement. So yeah, it's like celebrate your successes no matter how small they are. Yeah, and set expectations, but don't be disappointed if you don't meet them. Because yeah, be there's, so, there's so many variables, i.e. a flat tire on the start of the ver- of a race yeah. like you had to go through and <laughs> um, weather. And, and in the case of, of uh, the, the pointy end of the stick of the Tour Divide, weather kicked in, you know, navigational yeah. issues kick in. It's like anything can happen. So set an expectation. Yeah. yeah. Set an expectation and then have a plan B. Like, okay, well, I'm not going to get there. So I'm not going to be able to sleep in that awesome cabin, but I'm going to wild camp up here. And then I'll get there tomorrow. Like, you just have to be flexible, I think, right? Yeah, for sure. And yeah. the more flexible you are doing that and in life, the easier it is. For sure. Nat, I have to say, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to you. And uh, as nervous as you thought you were to come into this conversation, you were awesome. <laughs> I'm just aware that I've talked loads and loads and loads. So thank you very much for having me because I do really like the opportunity to kind of like, yeah, just to share. So no, that's really good. And I'm really touched that people had asked for me to come and talk. So yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just aware I talk a lot. No. I never think I do, but I know I do because I can see it's like two hours. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the subject matter and we could probably talk for another two hours, I bet. <laughs> but unfortunately, I have to let you go. But um, yeah, I want to thank you for your time. And you're not only an inspiration probably to all the women out there, but you're also an inspiration to me. And I'm sure any, any guy who's going to listen to this is going to be um, super moved by your journey. And, uh, and I, I think we can all learn a lot from this and from the adversity that you've gone through to get to this point. Super proud of you, Nat. Oh, you made me happy. High five. Bet you high five. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you. Before we go, um, tell everyone where they can find you online. Oh, what I was going to say then, probably the easiest way to find me and I'll update it is natwinginthewild.com. So that's my blog. But then I'm Nat Rainbow on Facebook, but I'll update my blog so that they can find me on Insta and stuff just because I can't remember all my details. So yeah, awesome. that would be the easiest way. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, 2021, I'm thinking I might do the Tour Divide. Will I see you there? <laughs> I haven't said I- I haven't said I'm not going in 2020. I just couldn't commit either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, um, you've, you've really... But if I'm not there, I'll be dot-watching you for sure. Oh, I hope to make it. Again, you know, you see I have a, a couple kids and, and a, a very supportive wife and the logistics of Tour Divide is like, oh, that's the big, that's the hardest part, I think, is trying to get my head around it. Even though the start, I could ride to the start from here in 10 hours. Like, it's just down the highway. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I'm wow. not too far away from Canmore or from Banff, so... Um, maybe we'll see you out there. <laughs> All right, Nat. Thanks so much and have a great day. Okay. See ya. Okay. Talk to you soon. Nat Rainbow, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. You are uh, an amazing, inspirational lady, and I think we can all learn something from you. And I think you make the planet a better place.
So keep doing what you do because we love you for it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in again. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to send me a voice intro, please do whip out your phone, record something and send it to bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. Get that and I will get those on the show. Don't forget about the 2019 Bike Pack Canada Summit. Head on over to bikepack.ca to check out the details. You can also find details on Facebook. Uh, you could probably also find details on Instagram. Don't forget to give us a follow. Stay uh, tuned to the events that are coming up. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in again. So right now, I think you should probably, uh, if you're not just finishing the ride, <laughs> get outside, push your limits, ride far. And until next time, get out there, ride bikes, sleep in the woods and keep the rubber side down. Nobody heard them. Mm-mm. Nobody heard them at all, except for a little girl. Mm-mm. Nobody knows her and her. Nobody but. Everybody in the night. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-